Wheel, Kipper, and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. The Toronto Maple Leafs played a hockey game, I'm told. But there was also a Canada game on, which a lot of people actually watched. <laughs> uh, and if you were going to miss a Leafs game, this was the one to miss. Uh, I joke about it. I did actually watch the Leafs game by and large. Uh, did did not go great. Wasn't a lot of fun. Well, it's no. not good. No, no, it's not. It was not good. I'm joined today by Brent Gunning, taking over for uh, Nick Kiprios today, who couldn't be with us. We got Sam McKee, Derek Brandeo, and Jen Rolnick in the back. Gunner, welcome back. Always, always happy to be here. Yeah, and uh, I, unfortunately, you know, I'm a professional. I was working the Leafs game last night, nice. so I had an eye on Canada, but I didn't have much of a choice. And uh, yeah, it was a little clockwork orangey at times, but the eyes were held open and we did yeah. watch all of that hockey game. Did you have it open anywhere at the rink? Or? Well, so there's a lot of TVs around in the press box, and, you know, I was able to work my way back to one occasionally uh, to, to see some minutes of the game. Might have, uh, as the third period wound down, might have thrown it up on the phone as I... Yes. watch the game there so maybe that seems essential i uh have vague memories of driving around with kyle dubas when i was with the marlies and <laughs> dubas would have an ipad up on the dashboard of the car driving around seems watching safe. the sioux st marie game at all times <laughs> who was driving kyle oh my god <laughs> uh, strike that from the record we don't need anybody coming for him uh, so there are uh certain levels of passion that fans will uh, go through to, to see uh, what they got to see that's a wild story that he would drive around. Well, that's he like, he that's had like a, it open. That's wherever. like a Rob Ford move. That really know, is. Reading the paper, driving the car. He wasn't watching it while driving, but when the car would stop and oh, all that, you know, oh, yeah. check in yeah, on what's going yeah. on. Instead of red light, you know. Quick <laughs> <laughs> check. Yeah. McKee, you caught, I see you wearing your Hockey Canada hat today. Well, which we're, we're careful. I don't know. If I'm, allowed to yeah, wear now? Yeah. Today? Yeah. I, mean, I, I tested the waters yesterday and it went pretty well, so. Okay. I Listen, last night was awesome. It was a really, really awesome moment for Canadian hockey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hockey players wearing a Canadian leaf. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yes. Uh, the Canadian children crushed it. They were really good. <laughs> the Canadian children. Spe spe <laughs> specifically the Canadian child wearing 16 who looked good again. Didn't get any points. But I, mm -hmm. was, uh, I was impressed that they pulled that out. They could have really, you know, they could have folded up shot pretty easily after two bad bounces, go in their net, make it 2-2. They go to overtime. And uh, Dylan Gunther. The golden goal for Canada. The least I've ever seen someone celebrate a life-defining <laughs> sports moment. So he he said afterwards, I don't know if this is just a great lie that he told, because I think he was probably just too stunned, but he said he was too locked in that he just celebrated like it was a regular goal, is what he said after the game. I, I think, think he was just I think too that stunned. goal is supposed to unlock you, yeah, is it not? Yeah, I would not? say so. I would say so. Uh, literally the thing you dream about. You know, you want to play in the NHL. Yeah. You want to play best on best at the men's top level. But it's like this is the first check mark for every young Canadian yeah. hockey player in their dreams. And he did it. And he was just standing there like, what do I do with my hands? I think I don't know. it's probably some of that. Yeah. Like The truest Canadian hockey man he was. He was like, you know, he acted like he's been there before. He put it in the net. doesn't matter. Just to score a goal or you know? fine. Head down straight to the bench. <laughs> um, I, so the OT, I, I flipped over when it was close in the third. Yeah. And so kind of back and forth missed, you know, what it was Leafs were down a ton and the Canada game got close. Obviously the attention shifted. The overtime was fascinating to me. I thought it was extremely well played. Like that goal was really the first good chance that someone let happen, which is crazy in three on three with that much talent, that much room. You know what almost turned the game though? The stanchion. Canada tried to break one yes. out and had a two on one, hits the stanchion, <laughs> went back the other way. That, you know, that's the kind of thing that ends up in the Leafs net in game seven. Can, can I ask you a question? 
because this is a hot debate and a uh, mutual chat group of Gunner and I's last night. Happy we're getting to this. Would you prefer five on five and a shootout after the 20 minutes or three on three for 20? So five on five for 20 minutes and then a shootout? Yes. Then it was, if it is was, there a reason we can't just keep playing five on five until someone th- scores? No, there is not a reason. There is but not a reason you, other than the double IHF existing. Yes. I just like to see them play the hockey game until a hockey team scores a hockey goal, yeah. personally. So that's such a cop-out of an answer. So if the only choice I think is I'd prefer five on five to the shootout over straight to three on three. Agree. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. It's hockey. And then the the argument we were also having was like, what's more of a true test of hockey, three on three or a shootout? And I would argue it seems weird, but I think it's a shootout because breakaways happen fairly organically in a hockey game. And I know it's different. You don't have somebody chasing Mm. you, but how often do we see three on three outside of, hey, we don't have any other way to decide this game. Let's go with this gimmick. I think we want... What we're trying to test is who has the best all-around hockey team, and mm-hmm. part of hockey is having two defenders back there. Yep. You cover for one another. You you have your chemistry. It's, it's just it's different. Three and three totally changes the skills that are important to winning. I completely understand why if for the quarters and the semis yes. you can't have continuous along. twenty. You can't have continuous twenty-minute overtimes because, for example, they played a the gold medal game on a back-to-back, which seems wild to me when they have an open Friday night. Wild. Two nights later. Right. Anyways, they still made a gajillion dollars. It doesn't matter Thursday or Friday. It's, it's beside the care. point. But you can't have they them. They don't play, care about the boys. You, know, like you can't have <laughs> them playing all night the night before the gold medal game. I understand that. But the but, gold medal game yeah, sure can. I mean, like, where are these kids going? Like, oh, Shane Wright's got to go back to Kingston? Like, they're fine. They're <laughs> absolutely fine. One of my favorite hockey memories is watching uh, Penguins Flyers in the playoffs. And there's a, uh, who was it? Five Keith OTs. Primo. Yeah, five OTs yeah. or whatever it was. Keith Primo. Yeah, scores the OT winner. Like, yeah. you know, part of the entertainment is like, who's in better shape? Mm-hmm. Who can keep the mental game together when the physical game wilts? And didn't they, didn't it, they go to a, the first game after the Leafs lost to Columbus in the blub, in the bubble? So I didn't watch this game, of course. But didn't it go to didn't it go to five overtimes? Braden Point against Columbus in I the bubble. No recollection. Yeah, of this. Like, yeah. yeah. The, the crazy OT game I remember recently is uh, Louis Domingue with the spicy pork and broccoli. That oh, yeah, yeah, good right? one. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that jumped I, out to me. I remember that one, Sammy, because I remember the commentary being about Seth Jones, who was still so effective in that game because he's like the easiest stride. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, he was the guy who Makes just look easy. float around out there. I don't know. He is, he's, he's minus 26, <laughs> second last in the yeah, NHL. While we're, while we're there. Although, he's an NHL all-star. That is very true. And he's incredibly rich. So good so on him. So rich. And listen, um, Chicago, is life so much better than mine? So Way better. I think, you know, Canada... <laughs> if we added up the goodness of all three of our lives, he's still beating us. He's in the lead. So Canada obviously cares way more about this tournament than any other country. I think the States, they kind of pretend to care and they get bent out of shape when we beat them. They don't really seem to like that. They like to make excuses or whatever. But yeah. uh, that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, it matters big time that Bedard got this one. I know they had the weird summer one. Like, I, I guess he's got two gold medals, but it's hard to really even count that one. That one was weird. But now he's a two-time world junior gold medalist. And that's, a, like, say what you will, but that's an important start to a career resume. You need, like, you need to have the, the, the world junior gold. Yeah. When you're talking about, it's like the world junior gold, the world champion. If you're looking for the triple, or what's it, the triple, triple gold, gold, gold club, club, which is actually four things. 
So it's Which World is, Championship, Stanley Cup, Olympic gold. But yes. World Junior is a separate. But, but like, if, a but if you don't get it for us, we hold it against you. Yes, like it so, doesn't count for Americans or yeah. literally anybody else. But if a Canadian doesn't win it, it is a little bit of an honor. To me, it's important that he but, started with you this. say that. So today I wrote an article on the NHL All-Star Game, and it's nothing you guys don't know. We've talked mm-hmm. about how it's not for us, yep. um, what's changed about it. So one of the things in my article, just a quick tangent, was that from 1947 until 2004, there was an all-star game every single year of, in some capacity okay. except for two years. Since then, 2005 till now, six years we've missed the all-star game. <laughs> so, like, in, one of the, in the press release, they're like, Sidney Crosby has the second most all-star nominations to Mario Lemieux or whatever. It's like, there's not the same amount yeah. of all-star games <laughs> over their careers. Like, it's, it's, so it, we've lost the all-star games as a measuring stick of, like, career success. But yeah. while looking that up, I went to EliteProspects.com, and then one of the sections is uh, awards. And just, like, what your highlights, what you've won over your career. Look at Crosby's page, and it is. It's World Junior. I think he won two World Junior golds. I think he got, yeah, he was on both. For sure the loaded team, and yeah. I think he had one more was before that. After that or before It would have been before because I was a lockout no, year, lo- and he was in lost, the NHL after. They lost the year before, though. Well, then the maybe, maybe, I think it's just one. Maybe he just has the one. Well, if you go to his page and just the amount of things that guy has won, you have to like hover your cursor gonna, over I'm it. I'm going to turn into Babs now. Serial winner. What he is, <laughs> just, well, serial winner. But this is McKee's point. Winners are on teams that win. Mm-hmm. And while teams make all the difference, you can't win on a bad team. You cannot do it on a really bad team. Connor Bedard did score the overtime winner to put them in a position to win the goal. Decent goal. So he had to be on a good team. But he had a pretty big hand in, in getting it done. So, Sam, are you on that page to look at the... Uh, no, I'm not looking at it, but I know. You don't need to. Um, the only So, yeah. if you want to go a step further, then there's the one with the Memorial Cup, right? They got... Uh, this is this is an all-time He's a tangent. silver. Crosby has a silver in the World Juniors. He doesn't have a gold? Silver he has and a gold. gold and a silver. Yeah, they yeah. lost to the States the year before they beat Russia there in the final. Go. They got to get Bedard in the Memorial Cup. He's not... Like, this is way too inside of Western Hockey League. This isn't even, like, inside baseball. It's, like, inside wiffle ball. But it's, like, they got to get him on a team that's going to play in the Memorial Cup. But if you're... Okay, so we're going down the WHL role. <laughs> here we are. Here. Sorry, Bourne. But <laughs> if you... If you're Regina, you're, there's zero chance you're trading him. Because what... What is it going to be worth it for your tickets and everything for this next little stretch? You can charge more for tickets. You can have so them there I every can't. night as opposed to, I guess you get literally another team's franchise for six years in the WHL, but it's not worth it to me if you could have Connor Bedard in your team for 40 more games, the amount you can charge, the amount of pub that brings to your team. I wouldn't you trade. also eat off a guy like that forever. Like yeah. he comes back in his jersey, goes to the rafters, mm-hmm. and he's a former Regina Pat. Yeah. You are everything associated with him. I can't, I can't believe I have this information off mm. the top, but their GM got into it. The the Pats GM got into it with reporters uh, before the holiday break because he was asked about, will you trade Bedard? And apparently, I didn't even know this was a thing in junior hockey. Apparently, he has a basically a no trade clause and he don't want to go. So that's wow. the end of that, apparently. <laughs> Imagine being so good. Junior hockey, no trade clause? <laughs> you have to be so good. How much clout do you have? Yeah. Well, like, all well, of it. Those I, don't exist. I mean, but I mean, if you've seen him play, he deserves it. I guess Shane Wright didn't have one of those because he's going to get yes. traded for sure. Yeah, so he's off. He, he does have one. Okay. Okay. All right. Go Shane. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about Shane Wright, but is he a franchise-altering guy in the in junior right now? Well, Probably, right? In junior, for sure. Okay. Questions listen, in the NHL. Listen. I came on the radio yesterday and said that he better enjoy this game because it's probably the last time he's ever going to get to play for Canada. Then he scored the nicest goal I think I've ever seen. And no selling because he just <laughs> went about his business. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think I'm going to be a fan of rights. 
I think yeah. I've decided well, to be a Shane Ray him. guy. He's my guy. Like okay. I'm from I've I've adopted Burlington as my new hometown. He is from Burlington. Oh, really? And the most, home of the coat factory. Most, that's right. <laughs> that's literally that's all I incredible. Know that and most importantly, the Montreal Canadiens didn't draft him first overall. So I can totally claim him yeah, as my yeah, own. Yeah. He's out west. Yeah. He's a Kraken. Great. It's great. It's my guy. Yeah, I, SW. The there, boy. Is, there is a big part of me that hopes he goes on to have an illustrious career, so that we can say that the Habs took. Oh, know, that'd be they so took good. the Slovakian Pierre Engvall first I overall tell you, over Shane Wright. I wish I hadn't heard Slavkovsky compared to Engvall because now I can't unsee. It's all it. I see that first video of him cruising <laughs> around at Canadians training camp. It is uncanny. You Here's the difference. Engvall's twenty six or yeah. something. He's no, a totally. decade older than this totally. kid. Totally. I'm not, not. I'm not saying it's the knock on the player. It is just impossible not to see it. We now. will say eighteen year old Slavkovsky is Engvall with less awareness. Okay. <laughs> that guy gets plowed every I, night. I know. Yeah. I know. All right. All right. Do you uh, want to talk about the Leafs? Let's do it. Uh, All right. Let's hear Sheldon Keefe. Let's get into it. Talk about the game where, you know, didn't get great goaltending. Let's just hear his overview of the game. I didn't like that we weren't able to capitalize and to take control of the game on the scoreboard with how well we played in the first period. Um, and then the game's up for grabs from there, right? They get one one power play, and I thought we have an excellent penalty kill. You know, I might be wrong, but I think it might have been the only shot attempt they had. And after about a minute and a half, they get one shot attempt, and it goes in their net off of Geo and... That's kind of the way the game went for us. You know, we just we didn't uh, we didn't capitalize with our looks early in the game enough. So you know, you, you leave the game up for grabs after that. You know, he he's trying to be nice to the goalie. Really trying. <laughs> really trying. Do you want to hear him talk about the goalie? Okay, let's let's get more specific. Let's do it. Uh, it's. I mean, uh, we need we need to get a big save from him, right? Like it's coming, the game's coming, and, and we need to get a big save there. But like I said, look at the first one. It's, it's yeah, he doesn't get much action at all in the first period, and then that power play doesn't last a lot happening. One goes, he's reading the release one way, goes off Geo shin pad, and then. Um, you know, even the second one, you know, like he screened on that one with the guy coming through. So there's some funny goals uh, going in there. But obviously, you know, like we need our our players in the first period to make a big play, take control of the game, and your goaltender to make a big save to kind of get us going and give us life too. So we didn't get that. So those are the kind of things that, you know, stand out about the game. But like I said, uh, uh, there's a lot to like about our first period. We play like that. A lot of nights uh, we take control of games and don't look back. But Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah. go ahead. This is the Sheldon playbook. <laughs> what is? What he, that, this press conference that he did last night yeah. is he, I, I think a lot of coaches do this. I think it's probably something they teach in the, you know, the coach's handbook when he's, you know, watching his uh, documentaries on coaching because he's so well-read. It's like his general manager. But I just, he's going against what you think he's going to say. Yes. Right, like there's no better way to look like an elite super genius than being like, oh, is that what you thought? Actually, well, actually, yeah. we played really well. Yeah, like the first period, we played our best period. Like he's outlining the positives in a completely negative game, and he probably didn't do that to in the room, but he wants to come out to the media and make it seem like he's not that upset about the performance, right? I have a couple uh, things saved on my computer from when I worked with Sheldon, and one of them or two of them are presentations we gave the team during a winning streak and one during a losing streak. And the one during the losing streak was like, actually, look at how good some of these underlying numbers are. We're actually defending really well. We're actually doing this really well. We're actually not as bad as our wins and loss record. And same during the winning streak. Actually, guys, we're giving up. We're getting 
goaltending. We're getting filled in here, filled in here, filled in there. And that's part of it, I think, is, you know, you hear coaches say all the time, you can't get too high, you can't get too low. I think that's like his number one priority, particularly in the Toronto market, is to try to squeeze it into this range so there's not franticness about their success or well, their he's failures. Had some, he's had some learning lessons in that this year and going back to New York, the soft comments, and then everything that happened with him talking about the accountability of the players. You're right. It is part of that, generally speaking, and this is part of being in you know a bigger market. It's, it happens if you're the Leafs head coach. It's the same if you're the Yankees manager or the Cowboys head coach. You say some things, it just gets a lot more ink spilled on it, and it, it does seem like let's just play, play it a little safer here. And then the you know he goes back to the idea of the save. It all comes to me on the second goal he's talking about there you, you tie it up you're feeling good about yourself yeah. you finally got the game going well and then the thing that that kills me about that is that that has been the Leafs Achilles heel for so long is that when the game's going well and there's a save that should be made that isn't or right. they should capitalize after a run of good chances and they don't that's when things seem to always turn on them and that really hasn't been the case this year at mm-hmm. least not as much as it has been in the past but that was the kind of bad sign of it last night and for me. early in the season when they continued to get good goaltending they had a long run of good yeah. goaltending it's funny how it looks like the team is able to weather the storms Amazing, a little better right? it's like hey what a resilient group even <laughs> though you know they gave up a bad one so Jonas Eagle tweeted this out, and uh, we've got it in our lineup here, that the Leafs rank 32nd in team save percentage, 852, since December 15th. So the Leafs goaltending splits this season in October, 895 save percentage. November, 926, back to 892 in December and January. So they had such an unbelievable run in November there. But I don't know, that's eight games going back to December 15th. Are we worried about eight games? Is that fair to... It's a tenth of the season. It's, it's peace. Like, it's not It's not nothing, you know? Like, I, I don't think this is a case of, oh, this is who these guys are, and they were playing completely over their heads, and they'll never sniff that 926. And I don't think right. they're getting back up there. But I do truly believe that somewhere in the middle is where this goaltending lies. But I think the, the problem or the question you have to ask yourself at least is, okay, why is it, though, that this is the exact same thing that happened with a completely different set of goaltenders last year? This is the exact same thing we've seen where, okay, November's great. Maybe none of them are any good. Well, okay, so is that just it or is it? This is the worst answer. Okay, well, that is honestly in my heart of hearts, that's what I believe. But I think if you're sitting here talking about what you can glean out of it is, is it something the team is doing? And I want to be clear. I think the answer to that is no. I think you nailed it with your whispering that maybe they just all kind of stink. I think that's probably true. But what does it say about the team that this is, it'd be like, it's not December that they played well. It is literally the exact same stretch of the season. And it's just, you know, even going back to Anderson, he had runs like this in that time of the year. It's just, it's confounding that it has followed the exact same playbook over the last two, three years. It would be interesting to look at Freddie's stats because I seem to remember him not being an overly fast starter either than coming around. October was always, every year was a referendum. It's like, this is finally the year he's no good. And then he would be really good the rest of the year. So Mm -hmm. rest of the year would be good. Until, until the big games. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating that there is a consistent trend. You know, two things, two things to talk about that people tweeted me about. Mm. One of them is, is it just a coincidence that Morgan Riley's back and they're getting scored on a lot? So that's one thing. Let's put that on hold for now if we want to talk about that. And the other is, you know what might help a guy who's struggling in a game is pull him and put the other guy in for crying out loud. This... All I can think of, and I, this is completely unfair, 
although one guy is showing a little bit of this, the other guy not so much, is it feels to me like you were worried about the mentality of the guys, that you will not pull them. You know, maybe if it was just you were hesitant to put Murray in on a game you didn't have him, I could understand it being just an injury concern issue and you have mm-hmm. it so scheduled out that these are the games Murray's going to play. Maybe I could understand that, but there's no reason that he couldn't have got the hook, the hook last night. Other than that, you don't have any faith in what Samson I was giving you right now. So I, I have to wonder if it's a mentality thing. And then going back to what we saw from Samson, now I know, you know, somebody made the point to me that there is a little bit lost in translation there with English, not being his first language. And maybe he wouldn't be so overstated in how he felt about going into Washington, but clearly meant a lot to him. And it clearly affected him that he didn't play well in that game. So that's the only theory I possibly have on this is yeah. that it's just a mentality thing. And they're afraid to lose him you know i just wonder though if it's not worse for the mentality of a guy who doesn't have it that night for any given reason i don't disagree to hang him out there for another whatever and you know sammy tweeted about it in the samsonov game and my thought was i you know they must not feel like they can put murray in cold they're mm-hmm. worried about his injuries which yep. already that's Fair a problem yep. if you can't play a guy <laughs> you're paying five million dollars to him you know four and a half million plus so that's a concern. And then the other thing is that when you have this tandem so regimented, so scheduled, this guy's getting this start and this start, and you know we want to put both mm-hmm. guys in chance to succeed, and suddenly it all gets thrown off if one guy has to get put in the middle of the game, yeah. maybe your tandem's really hurting you. It's not giving you a chance to win. Like Kipper tweeted last night actually during the game about like the Leafs needing a wake-up call. We have Sheldon Keefe talking about, did you think about pulling Murray? Why don't we hear? And Koshan asked him the question, so you can you can listen to it here. All right, cool. Betty thought that would have been years ago to make a change, just given that there weren't a lot of shots. Yeah, 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 a little bit. Just trying to consider, you know, mixing things up a little bit. But at the same time, you know, Matt Murray's played a lot of really good hockey for us, and I thought he deserved the opportunity to stay in there and fight. Hate that. You hate it. Like, Couldn't agree more. Like Bernie. the opportunity to stay in and fight. It's <laughs> the not, game was over. Yeah. Make a point. You're trying to win a game and, you know, don't worry about his feelings. Mm-hmm. His opportunity is going to be you're going to put him back in the next hockey game. I completely agree. There again, it's the fact of I, I just can't go to anything other than the mentality of these guys. And I understood the idea of not wanting to give them the cold hook in the middle of the period. You know, I know that can be a little, you know, in the face for some guys. Sure. I get that, but there was no reason for the third period. It is a back to back this weekend. You're gonna use both guys. There's yeah. no world where you needed to keep somebody fresh or or whatever the case was. So yeah, I, I don't like that there seems to be a real hesitancy. I don't know what a guy has to do to get pulled on this team, honestly. Like, and not to say that Murray was, he was not good last night, not no. by any means, but it was not a, it wasn't a tragedy of a game was, or anything. He did get the Bronx cheer at one point in time from, from the crowd there. I don't know if that came across on the broadcast. He was the there. reason they lost. Yeah. Guys. Well, he, no, no, I, he was, it was he, five, one. It wasn't no one, three, two. No, no, no five, I am four. not taking him off the hook by any means, but there have been worse goaltending performances, but that was not a case where you could not pull the guy. And I just, I can't understand it. And I keep having to go to the mentality of the player or not wanting to lose the guy and again if you can't do that it's real yeah. it do- if you can't handle getting pulled in a game in, sure. a, in Dece- January what month are we in January it's it really not, doesn't not matter April. it's not April exactly <laughs> if you can't handle getting pulled in a game in not April and I'm not saying that Matt Murray can't handle it but that's the best theory I have yeah. how can you handle the rigors of your down 2 nothing to the Bolts well guess what we have Matt round. Murray to weigh in on Here this let's listen to Matt Murray and move it on well, I think you just try to take what you can from it and learn oh. from it and, and then move on um, like I said, I think the game could have gone a different way. and We had stretches, especially in the first period. I thought we were in control of the game. So uh, you take what you can from it and you move on. 
So, so is that being a pro yeah, or is that on. skirting the? Brendale, oh, oh, what a follow up! Oh, oh. <laughs> it didn't make me feel good. <laughs> I, speaking of not feeling good, that fourth goal that went in. Oh. That fourth goal that went in reminded me of late Leafs career Jonas Gustafson. Oh. Which was the fourth one? The one that like went under his blocker. Oh yeah, veneers. Yeah. It was just like kind of like yeah. jabbed at it. And yeah. It was just like under his arm. Just shot it into the net from distance. Yeah. I would much rather have my goalie sound like that than what Ilya Samsonov sounded like after the game. Uh, see, I'm a, I'm a poet. I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. I like the emotions that uh, Ilya's mm-hmm. going through and getting to know him a little bit. Matt Murray doesn't let us in. I don't appreciate that. <laughs> but it is more professional. I'll give you, just, you that. I, I guess the thing is, is that you want a guy who could at least get to the highs. The problem is all the goalie emotions we've seen in this market is just, I mean, no, sorry, Jack, There's no but highs. just him crying after games saying he let all the boys down and he'll never yeah. be able to forgive himself. Like, you'd like to see a guy feeling good about himself at one point in time in this market, right. and it just but seems like that can't happen. I want my... Like, I want the goalie to think it's everybody else's fault. If I'm if I'm a player, if I'm a person on the team, I want the goalie to have a mentality where it's like, no, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. I don't want my goalie getting down on himself. That's the worst possible scenario for me as a, as a you know, because it's like, oh, as long as he doesn't vocalize that, though, right? I would like, imagine no, no. that doesn't go over very well in the room. JT, you want JT no, Miller in? No, there? he's not. He's not. Uh, Garrett Sparks He's like, we got to play better. And they lost seven oh, one. My favorite. Oh my god, <laughs> we're not working hard enough. It's no, I, not your place to say. You know what I'm saying? Like, not like say? a guy that's like calling out the team every night, but just a guy that, in his mind, yeah, Matt he's Murray infallible. Doesn't, Matt Murray yep. doesn't think last night was his fault, and I want that from a goalie because goalies so in yeah. the NHL, it's so can he hard. think that. Can you really honestly think it wasn't? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, some guys are. I, man, I've delusional. tricked myself into believing some things. Okay? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm <laughs> yeah. not saying it can't happen, but. Yeah, that's, uh, it is an interesting point that he seems least willing to put on the brave face and turn the page a little but, bit more. You know who also was kind of like that? Who's that? Peter Mrazek. What, turn the page? Last year, remember? He was like, oh, yep. No, oh, yeah. and Verazic was slide whistles and yeah, car horns. He was like, whatever. <laughs> you paid me how much? Yeah. <laughs> You're just happy to be here. Um, you know, so I, I guess part of the equation then is what percentage of this do you chalk up to team defense? The Leafs now in the last six games, I haven't given up 26 goals in Not the good. last six games. I think 18 that, in the last four games. Is that a lot? Seems like a lot to me. <laughs> Quick math. Um, and this is a team that, you know, top five in goals against per game has been very good. Morgan Riley's back. Yeah, we got we to do it. Well, it's it's just a conversation people are having. Well, why don't we start with Sheldon talking about team defense, and then we'll talk about team defense. Yeah, you, know, I, I, you can't give up a breakaway. You can't give up that two on one in the third period. Aside from that, I thought we were we were we were fine. Uh, like I said first period. You know, I think they might have had really might have had one shot, and I think one of the shots came from from the neutral zone, and they had one shot on goal in the first period. Defensively, I don't know if we can get much better than that. Um, we made some big mistakes. You know, the, the the breakaway is a big mistake. You can't, this game's already 2-1, you can't make that mistake. So that's one that we'd like to have back. But aside from that, I, you know, I, it's a tough game to play when you're constantly pulling the puck out of your net. So I thought that took the life away from us a little bit. But I'm not going to overthink that part of the game because it's just a, it's a funny game there. We didn't do enough offensively to really gain traction and keep ourselves afloat. If I could... I would give Sheldon Keefe or whoever would take the money 
$10 to ask a follow-up question. <laughs> Whose fault was the pinch goal? I loved Sammy McKee did a, a breakdown last night of the, the Giordano pinch. It's always a delight so, when Sam gets involved on that. I rewatched it. Yep. And because Anthony Petrelli does awesome work, yeah. he said to me that like they, they're always super aggressive with their defense, the which, walls, which yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But you still have to pick your spots. 100%. And there was three blue sweaters around the puck. The puck was going yeah, nowhere. Yeah, I thought your observation was and good. And he comes flying in there, yeah. and it just... And then Morgan doesn't recognize that it. That, to me, is... That was a big one to me. Your, your winger or your partner is all yeah. the way down in the corner. You don't stay out on the wing. You shift over to the center of the ice. And give credit to the squid. I don't know which one it was, but he fired a sick pass. Yeah. No, like, right on the tape to McCann, who went in and shot it in the net. McCann's fast. Yeah. He looked pretty good in blue and white, eh, fellas? Maybe Vern, in, maybe Vern Kerfoot. <laughs> He's only on pace for 40. What's Kerfoot on pace for? Not, Four, not that. 10? <laughs> Four? <laughs> Anyways, I just, I worried about Gio over the past little bit. Like, I think that to me is not an example of a thing that uh, you no. worry about because it's not slow, I, bad legs. Just, he generally makes good decisions. I just think it's pretty, because I'm not completely against the blame Morgan argument. Like, I will listen to that argument. I'm here for that argument. But I don't think it's just him. No. Like, I think there's signs of all these other guys not hitting a wall, but not playing great. And the puck goes in the net, what seems like every fifth shot. Yeah. So it's, 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 what side of it are you on? Well, I think, I think goaltending. I think, well, definitely goaltending. I think with me, with Morgan, what it is, is that when the team didn't have him in the lineup, every guy there, for the most part, and, you know, Sandine will be a little risky at times, Lilligren, I guess, as well, but you just have a lot of really steady guys, and I guess Timmons would take a little risk, but he's not playing nearly as much, and Morgan Riley is a, you know, relatively speaking, high-event hockey player. It's what he does. He wants to make things happen, and when you want things to happen, sometimes they're going to happen, but it's going to be a bad thing, and it's going to end up in the back of your net, and this is a guy who has needed to be this player for the Leafs throughout the bulk of his NHL career because throughout the rebuilds and the retools and the kids growing up, you needed somebody who could be that transition force for you. And not to say you still don't want that player, but the team was having so much success with the defense not making mistakes as opposed to making things Mm -hmm. happen. And it just goes to what he is as a player because... I don't know how good Morgan Riley is if you do neuter him and you do tether him a little bit and you ask him not to do those things. Uh, I don't, I don't know, know what you're can. getting out of him. Yeah. And can you even ask a guy to do right. that after he's been doing it this way for seemingly 100 years, even though he's only 26 years old? Yeah. Like, that's where I fall on it. Yeah. Um, first off, Morgan Riley's got to be older than that. No? 27, I believe. Really? Okay. Could be, I could be wrong, but I'm yeah. fairly certain. Just feels like he's he like was on that. He 30. was born in 1994. He is 28 years old. 28. Okay, okay so yeah. yeah, two years. Yeah. Off, okay, so. no, that's, I'm still surprised that that's the the ballpark. Yeah. But still, so for me, it's all of those things are are correct. I I do wonder if because of the ability of the Leafs forwards, you know, one of the things we said about the Leafs in Riley's absence, without Brody, without Muzzin, is that they seemed patient. Yep. They just seemed okay to wait in a game and wait for the opportunities and find their way through rather than try to force something, create something, whatever. They don't seem as patient with Riley. They seem, you know, I'm thinking of the play. Who was it against? He tried to bang it up the wall. He went up the wall with it. and Tried to go to, it was like a absolute pizza to Matthews. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. Ended up in the back of the net and they lost the game to the Coyotes. Right. <laughs> you know, so like there's these <laughs> moments where it seems like you're trying to force something, trying to make something happen. And so, you know, maybe you can't tether Riley, but... You certainly should be able to explain to him that we don't care if you get points. Yeah. We trust you to... You have your money. Yeah, you That's have your money. We need to win hockey games. We think the best thing for our team from the back end is steady play. Is when you're 50-50, 
you know, change your, uh, you know, your, your bars, your scroll yeah, bars, yeah, yeah. And, you know, a little bit. And, you know, you need to be 55 sure yeah. that you got a chance to go now, not 50-50 anymore. Try and try to get them to rein it in a little bit. It is a concern because I think to playoffs and the moments that have burned the Leafs, it's it has been their higher event guys. It's been Jake Gardner, Exuberance, a guy who can yeah. create a lot, yeah. give you one up, and give poor, you know. poor Jake Gardner dash five when Freddie gave up five beer leaguers in the third period. I know. Tough one. Anyways, continue. Yeah, but that's a you know, but it, it is him and. Yeah. It has been since Riley's back that yep. this seems to be happening. So I don't blame Riley. I think if, if the goaltending's better, it's less of a story. It's That's not a story it. at all, mm-hmm. probably. But I do think that it's it's worthwhile to note to Riley that we feel like things go better when we're a little bit more patient <laughs> on the back end. When, no, no, when you're not here. <laughs> when we're more patient on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned. Yeah. I just, after watching... Also, could it just be a few games back from injury just trying to find his game? He's just not sure, playing but, as well as he can. But I don't think this conversation started again on last week. No. This conversation's been out there for a long time, and I think a lot of other times he's had a guy in front of him to take the brunt of the whipping boy. For sure. There's been a Jake or... There's yeah. always been a D that you're like, oh, that this, guy. This is something we talked about last night at least. So talk, is Justin Hall like, not pulling his part? He was supposed yeah. to be that guy. How <laughs> yeah. dare he? Yeah. yeah. How about Justin Hall dash three after you wrote a nice article about uh, him yesterday? He wasn't very good. No, to be he, honest, he hasn't been very good the last few games. <laughs> I, I, I snuck in my article <laughs> right while I could. But no, I just, like, they have more guys now than when he was really good that can break the puck out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but think of when he had his 20-goal year, twenty goal year, which, how did he score 20 Wild. goals? Because Ron Hainsey was that good, but... He was the only guy in the back end that was really breaking the puck out. I guess him and Jake Gardner that were really the true guys that they needed him to do that. Now everyone does it. Now I mean, every guy on the back end. and Sandine on the third pair it. Yeah. snap it yeah. out of the yeah. zone. Giordano can snap it out of there. Yeah. Brody. Brody. Like yeah. they have guys that are able to do that. And just Timmons wa- when he gets yeah. in. Like. Yeah. You just oh, wonder sure. about the fit with this current decor. And this, hey, there's tons of turnover on this decor. Guys have one year con- or like a couple years left in their contract. The way it goes, maybe it gets a little better down the road. But right now with this current decor, the fit seems weird. Like when yeah. they didn't have them in there, it seemed like everybody fell into place better and they all kind of knew their roles. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, I do. But like here's where I get hung up on conversations like this. Is he good? Do you think he's good? I yeah, think he's I good. Do. Yeah, I he's a really yeah, good player. I agree. I think he's good. Skates it, shoots it. You know, good yeah, hockey totally. sense. Good, good player. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like McQueen wanted to quibble with the hockey sense for half a second there. The, could shoot it a little bit more decisively. <laughs> there's an argument about puzzle pieces and where exactly mm-hmm. how he's used. You know, if he's second pair and not on PP one, you know, do you love him? Maybe that's perfect for him. You know, the way the Leafs are probably going to use him, which is is their number one D man. Here, here's my only my my final thought okay. on this. In almost every series against a good team in the Stanley Cup playoffs, yep. you are losing the battle of one D, the mm-hmm. number one D. The number one D on Tampa is going to be Hedman. The number one D on Boston is going to be McAvoy. The number one or or Lindholm, if you like. Yeah, sure. The number one D on uh, Carolina is going to be someone like Slavin, or you know they yeah. got a number yeah, of guys yeah, you could pick. You know, almost every team you go through. You're you're not as good at one D, yeah. But you're also paying your one D seven or this year five and a half, but yeah, seven, seven and, and a half, half after that compared to most guys getting nine and ten. So, anyway, are we done on Riley? 
Yeah, I think we uh, we found a middle ground of having no answer there. I think that's, uh, that's exactly what <laughs> well, we, that's what we ended up on. Yeah, oh, for and sure. It's the whole point of this. The the thing you always have to say with Riley, and when we talk about the regular season, we talk about some of his struggles. He is a really good playoff player, and he's he's been he, great. Every team, if you're going to go on a long run in the playoffs, you need that one guy that can play thirty a night. That one guy that you lean on to play in and most that's situations. The spot you're losing though, right? For sure, but you do need to have. One of those guys that can do it. Yeah. And I don't think you want pretty much anyone else on the lease playing 30 minutes a night. God, no. No. Right? And he's he is that. No, love TJ Brody. He's not 30 no. minute no. guy. Riley is that guy. Yeah. And he, like you said, you made me lose. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy, pal. Dean would die three times if he played 30 minutes a night. He is <laughs> yeah, the most he's unlucky, a tough, he's he's the a most tough unlucky guy. He is defense Nick Robertson, except he's actually proved it in the NHL. Yeah. It's just, it is impossible for him to play a game without going to the room to get stitches. I like went seemingly. to get a snack last night and I saw the thing that Sandine <laughs> went to the room again. You know, I was like, come on. Like, I, it's just, it's not his fault no, it's so not. often, it's not. right? But it's just like every, they I don't. Did, they did a nice thing last night. They reviewed it. Yeah. They did the review yeah. of the of the penalty. And I'm so happy that's a thing. Because well, it, there's a long time where it wasn't a thing. And they're just like, I oh, didn't see it. And they, yeah. had, they went to it. They talked to the, the linesman. They had a look, and they gave him a four-minute penalty. They did nothing. Or did they, no, they scored at the end of that power play. Yep. Yeah. You know, I do have a theory, though, on guys like this, mm. and it's that they're all 5'11". <laughs> so this is not a, like, even like a that means small. Yeah. That means, I know, um, you know, Connor Carrick was a guy, he might be under 5'11", but he's a guy that every time Almost you see him, he's got black eyes yeah. and a broken nose because his head is at that height <laughs> yeah. of shoulders. Um, Andreas Janssen, who was with the Marlies yeah. when I was there, guy is constantly black and blue. Especially when he gets smoked by that I was going to say, ref. Dan Kelly was at the right. ref, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. Um, you know, everyone I know that plays and constantly gets black and yeah. blue and hurt and whatever, that seems to be the danger height to be. It's just how it's always been with Sandine. Like, I, I want to say it might not have been his very first game in the NHL, but it was really early on in his career. And he had a game against the Wings. And it's just right away, he just stuck his nose in a place where it shouldn't have gone. And he got popped. But the thing you like about him is that Goes he, back. he has never once been like, mm, not going to do that again. If anything, it emboldens him. It's yeah. like, great, I've already broken the nose. You what made more? me taste my own yeah, blood. Well, honestly, and nobody does that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, yeah, you really like that about him. But you're right. It's just like. Can you trust him to ever? And luckily, he skirted injury these yes. past few games. But that, like, how much can you honestly expect from him? Because he just seems to be constantly banged up. He does. Um, we, you know, in, in terms of things that we started talking about on the air or off the air before we got on the mm. air, uh, the push for Pontus. To, oh. to the All-Star game, got a boost last night. When Pontus <laughs> Holmberg was put on the second line in the third period to get a sniff with the big boys. Deserves it. Best Straight player up. in the NHL, really. No, he's really good. I'm sorry. Like, he is a great bottom six guy. Yeah. So, he, our, Go ahead. I was just going to say, the thing I said to you guys before the game is he's on power play two. He's yep. on the flank. He gets a puck, uh, and he's under duress. Guy comes at him on the power play. He stick handles it under the guy, then passes it on his backhand up to the point. And I can't help but be like, huh. Don't see that from a lot of bottom six guys. You know, like he's got, he's played in that Swedish league for years. There's more ability. Since he was 12. <laughs> Since he was 12 years old, he's been in the Swedish hockey league, whatever it is. I think this guy, you know, we, we joke about it a lot, but pretty good hockey player here. Uh, oh, you guys were joking? I thought this was my safe space to come in here and just be like, oh, one Pontus, of us, Pontus. one of us. Yeah, I I love him. You don't want to get overstated about a guy who's your fourth right, not right that now, impactful. But 
uh, you know, you mentioned that play. There was another one where he's streaking through the middle. He does a real slick kind of puck reception, pulls it between himself, kicks it up to him through his skates, regains control. And it's just, he he has comfortability with the puck. Like, yeah. he's comfortable. And it, it goes back to what I say about bunting. And, you know, it's a little different. But these guys who know how to play with talented players. Now, with Holmberg, it seems more a little skill-based than than, you know, mind sense space the way bunting is he can yeah, think the game with those guys sure. but Holmberg definitely has some skill that you do want to give him some looks and especially in a game last night where you know i with a team like the leafs where they're locked into where they're going to be in the playoffs maybe they get home ice maybe they don't but they're going to play the lightning you need to experiment you need to try things that's why i have no problem with the five forwards on the power play and especially you're getting pasted five one yeah. in the third period what are you doing give them a look up there so yeah i really like it one of my dad's core takes when it comes to Leafs. It's like, oh, they just need somebody to come out of the woodwork uh, from the Marlies and just contribute. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the guy. This is the Not guy. Wrong. AMAC, your take finally came true. It's like a guy that's like a, <laughs> was he a seventh, sixth is round it, rounder? Is it Andy? Rounder. Yeah, Andy. AMAC, uh, yeah. Right. guy. Yeah, he just, oh, yeah. he's just like, it's true. It's they finally found a guy that can, can come up and just play on your team of and all, contribute. Yes. No, it, it makes such a difference when you have a guy and you're not asking him to be a world beater. And this is why we have complained about the Mulligans in the past mm-hmm. and guys that, like, you can't see a fit for a small-skilled guy, but you can see a fit for a guy who wins totally. face-offs and can make plays. Of all the things we could sell sponsorships on the show, I think there's Sheldon Keefe clips, like Keefe's Corner or something, or Kip's clips. Mm-hmm. Amax takes. I'm here for oh, them. Okay. If we can sell these <laughs> takes, I'm in. Your lesson? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. All right. We, we need to move on as well. We've got Emily Kaplan joining us uh, from ESPN after this. Looking forward to that. Sammy Cosentino is going to join us at 4, uh, 4.15 to talk about, oh, Team Canada, Connor Bedard, and all the rest. But first... Emily, talk about, uh, we'll go around the NHL, talk about the All-Star game and all the rest. Gunner, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Real Kipper and Bourne. I am Justin Bourne. We're with Brent Gunning today, which is absolutely wonderful and even more wonderful. No offense, Gunning. No, definitely more wonderful. But we are now joined by Emily Kaplan of ESPN. Emily, how's it going today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing very well. Thank you. Uh, before you came on, we were just chit-chatting about um, what a gigantic famous person you are now. Um, and one of the things we were discussing was uh, being on Around the Horn. And, like, I know it's been years now that you've been being on that show, a little bit on ESPN, but I was in uh, the U.S. for many years of my life and watched it for years. I just want to know what that experience is like. What a cool show that is. It's the coolest, and honestly, I'm so grateful for the producers and Tony Reale, the host of that show, because that was the first show at ESPN that really gave me my first regular reps. It's super fast-paced. It's super improvised, and I think because I did that show, I was prepared to, like, work on live hockey broadcasts, which for a lot of people who work in the sports industry, it's really challenging. As you guys know, it's nonstop action all the time, but... um. I'll tell you, behind the scenes, everyone is exactly as they appear on TV. Yeah. People are super competitive about it. Um, it is kind of a family, but there's, like, if one person replies all in the email chain, like, there goes your evening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm so happy to hear that because you do watch those, uh, a lot of uh, argument shows, and I air quotes that because a lot of times it's staged, right? It's a lot of, all right, everyone has their talking points, so you genuinely go into that not knowing what's going to be said? 
Yeah, well, you know, we know the topics ahead of time. Right. We get a little bit of prep there. But um, we don't really know what the other uh, panelists are going to say, where Tony's going to take the conversation. Sometimes he kind of pivots on where he wants to go with it. So mm. I think that's why it has lasted so long on TV, because it's just so authentic. And I think people can cut through some of the, you know, scripted elements and then people don't really want that. People want authenticity. Yeah, yeah well, it's funny because when it started, I think over 20 years ago, I kind of thought reality was a Goomba. Turns out he's a wonderful guy and everyone <laughs> loves him and he's a family man and all that. So I got nothing but good things to say about him and the show. Um, I'll be reality here and turn this to uh, to the NHL and to the Toronto Maple Leafs first and foremost. Uh, you know, we're, it's nowhere near the trade deadline, but everything that everyone does right now revolves around what they're missing, what they need. It feels like the three of the biggest buyers are in the same divisions with the division here, the Leafs, Bruins, and Lightning. It, do you think the three of them are basically going to be trying to outbid one another for some of the bigger names out there? Yeah, I don't know if the Lightning can. Like, they're the one team that I always pause on because Julian Breesbaugh always has something up his sleeve, and he's like, no, I'm not going to do anything. I can't do anything. And then, boom, goes and does something. Right. I just feel like they don't have the assets anymore to really, you know, give up those first-round picks or those top prospects they really just don't have um, to go after some of the bigger names. Whereas when I look at the Leafs and the Bruins, I see two teams that are like, our window is now. And for two different reasons, you know, Leafs, there's a lot of jobs on the line, plain and simple. Do you have to blow up this roster? Do not. Do you keep this GM? Do you keep this coach? Do you not? Like, you need to get past that hump. And for the Bruins, I mean, I've covered a couple of their games early. It's win one for Bergie. And, like, they have something so special Great. here. I think they're the best team I've seen so far this year um, that because this window is short with this core, they want to do it. Um, you know, they have no idea how much money they're going to have to give David Pasternak. They know it's going to be a lot. Like, let's go all in now and then we'll figure out future problems later. Yeah, definitely. The Bruins are staring down a big, big contract for David Pasternak, and I think they're totally fine with that because he's absolutely earning it. You know, I I just keep looking at that team, and it's incredible the turnover that they've been able to have. You know, we think of them as the same core together, and it is the same, you know, core of four or five guys, but they add in Lindholm. They've completely overhauled the goaltending there. You have to just tip your cap to them. You know, I I, here we've been all bogged down, and I'm not going to ask you about the particulars of the tournament, but we're all bogged down in the World Juniors. Connor Bedard, he's coming. And I'm thinking top of mind, you know, I'm sitting here and I have my preferred destinations for what seems like the NHL's next generational talent. There obviously has been a lot of talk about the desert and the coyotes and everything going on there. Do you have a kind of preferred destination for where you think the NHL needs to inject some life? Yeah, well, if I'm in the league office, I'm saying Arizona, right? Because they're desperate to make that project work. Um, I live in Chicago. I know the fan base here feels like they deserve it, um, which I know I'm sure everyone else is rolling their eyes. Like, want that. <laughs> Maybe not. Want a ton. Yeah, like go through this rebuild, the, you know, the long and hard way like the rest of us. <laughs> you know, the city I was just in that was really interesting, I was there last night, was Columbus. And, um, you know, they have so much young. They've drafted really well in the last few years. And they've got some young talent that's like on the cusp. Um, you saw Jerzyk in that tournament. I mean, you know, Kent Johnson's playing in the top line right now with Johnny Gaudreau. Cole Fillinger is going to be a stud in this league. Um, I, I feel like it would be super fun to see all of these kids grow up together. And, like, if you have Connor Bedard to the mix, like, holy cow, this could be that super team pretty quickly. You know, And by pretty quickly, I mean, like, three, four years from now. But um, I think that's a team and a market that's kind of been overlooked over the years. They've never... You know, they they were telling me about how they always get the worst luck in the draft lottery. So I'm kind of rooting for them. They're kind of my underdogs, and I wouldn't mind for him to come to an American market. But look, I'm based in the U.S. I'm totally slanted down here in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I think ESPN and TNT would like to see that Chicago suggestion just fine. Probably Philly, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of good spots for him. 
Um, you know, looking at where we are at the NHL calendar, the uh, the All Star Game is uh, nearly upon us. They've named some of the the players. How do you feel about the fan selection process? Is this uh, the NHL going about it the right way by letting fans decide who should be in? Look, if you look at the NHL, they're like, we looked at the data. We talked uh, I to know. a lot of people that the fans want. I know that nothing is ever going to appease everybody. Like, personally, I feel like I, we're always trying to evolve the event, and that's great. Like, I kind of just want us to, like, bring it back old school. Like, let's just do hard a shot. Do fast yes. skater. Let the guys have dodgeball style and pick their own teams and, you know, show the friendship to the rivalries in the league that way. Um, and that said, like, I'm always, you know, one that's in favor of innovation. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of people this event speaks to. I think it's a really great way to engage with the youth, with the younger players. Um, so, hey, if this is what's going to get the fans engaged and invested in it and maybe we can get some fun storylines of a guy that, you know, is beloved in the league but not necessarily have all-star numbers get there, like, so be it. That's like, I'm not going to be a Grinch about this. Yeah, I have no problem with the all-star format. And, uh, you know, it's funny. You say there's nothing that can make everybody happy. I don't even know if there's a format that makes a single person happy. I don't know that they've ever revamped this and people have been like, oh, I do like that one. Although I will say I would take a uh, a North America versus the world format like we used to do. But that's just because I want Matthews and McDavid uh, playing together. That's just my own uh, (laughs) kind of fever dream there. You know, one guy who has been named to the all-star team, definitely the biggest breakout player in the NHL this year is Tage Thompson. And he, to me, feels like uh, something that we should should warn GMs about because I feel like there's going to be a lot of GMs who get their hands on a guy who's six foot six with a little bit of pedigree who hasn't quite figured it out and said we can turn this guy into our next Tage Thompson and you know they always say you can't teach size but there's a lot else that he has the shot the hands that you can't teach as well you know as remarkable as a story as Thompson has been it feels like we're going to see two or three GMs get burned by thinking they can lock the next one up the way Buffalo did before he really took off. Yeah, you know, the lesson I take away from Tage Thompson, too, is patience. Like, how many people are ready to write off that trade? I'm like, oh, the Sabres are losers. Ryan O'Reilly, like, the Blues got the best player. Like, trust me, the Blues got their Stanley Cup. Like, they'll take Tage Thompson back. And he wasn't even, like, the only piece of that trade. Like, it was Tage Thompson end. Like, it was a pretty massive package. I just think patience is lost in the NHL in so many ways. And, like, the teams that, like, I really appreciate right now are the Sabres, are the New Jersey Devils, where, like, they've built it the right way, and it's been hard, and you've had to have top prospects like a Tage Thompson down in the AHL, and the fan base is like, what are we doing here? But if you do it the right way and you build it the right way, that's the way you get sustainable results. And, you know, I just think that team-building mentality is a microcosm for what we're seeing with Tage. And for Tage, like, it wasn't the most linear path, but, like, he stuck with it. Um, he had the adversity and now he's so better prepared for sustained success than maybe if he, you know, had started in the league right away as a teenager, um, you know, and, and had it easy. So um, maybe those are the lessons we take away from it, at least I hope. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's so crazy is that guy sits uh, right behind Connor McDavid in goals, 30 goals right now and one ahead of. Alex Ovechkin has 29 goals on the season. It's January 6th today. Um, Seems like a a, a pretty crazy story as, you know, it's been covered, I would say, uh, excessively this season. The the Ovechkin chase for Wayne Gretzky. One thing we've talked about on this show, Emily, is just, you know, the whole Russia-Ukraine war and Putin's on his Instagram page and all that. And, you know, you're with a, a major network. How is the political side of the Ovechkin world affecting coverage of his chase for Gretzky? 
Uh, it's a complicated question, and, um, you know, I'm not sure I necessarily know the right answer. I'm not sure there is a right answer. It's pretty blurry for a lot of us. Um, yeah. I work for ESPN. It's a sports network. We cover sports. This is one of the greatest goal scorers we have ever seen in our generation um, doing something absolutely incredible. I'm going to cover what he does on the ice. Um, I don't know, quite frankly, enough nuances about you know, the level of his support, really the risk that he's taking of, you know, not taking down that Instagram photo to speak on it qualified. So that's kind of how I've handled it. I know that for some people that's not satisfactory, and I apologize for that. But I've tried to, you know, separate it in the same way that, you know, I I would hope people would try to give nuance to these situations where just because you want to assume one thing and it paints an easy story doesn't necessarily mean that's the story. Yeah, it is an extremely complicated issue, and I think we all kind of have different feelings on it. I think some people are capable of compartmentalizing these things. I mean, you've seen this with actors who have, and, you know, Ovechkin hasn't himself done anything, not to go down this rabbit hole here, but you see this. People are able to separate the artist from the art, and I think that's the kind of thing everybody's quibbling with uh, in, in their own way. Uh, one other team I wanted to ask you about, Emily, is is Vegas. You know, for, for my money, uh, in the viewing I saw when they were here in Toronto, that's as good of a hockey team as there is in the NHL. Now, I I'm looking at the records. I see what the Bruins have done. I can't say anybody's better than Boston, but I mean, I'm I'm sitting here and looking at Vegas as a big time cup contender. Do you see anything they could potentially be adding? I mean, I know they have their kind of uh, storybook Cinderella story with the goaltending going on there. It's always hard to add at that position. What could you see Vegas doing to kind of bolster themselves? Because they seem primed for another big, big run. Yeah, like I'm not going to lie to you. They're one of the teams I haven't covered this year. Um, I haven't had any one of their games. They do in the second half. Um, I haven't really even heard much rumors about what they're looking to do or able to do at the trade deadline. So I'm not sure I can like totally give you an answer here. I am just equally as impressed as you are, though, because this is a team I was like, mm, they're, they're ready for regression, um, you know, and I think the goaltending is a story there, the fact that it has held up. But the fact that Jack Eichel looks this good, um, you know, and is living up to it after really a tough, two plus years for him and then last year being an acclimation year like I'm just happy for him um and I'm happy for that fan base because you know as much as we roll their eyes and say like they feel like they deserved it like it's good for the league to see them doing well and you know nobody wants to have to take that step back and it seems like they've avoided it for now yeah, they're, sure. they're born on third base but they seem to be enjoying it yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a good place to be um yeah one more for you before we let you go uh just you know this time of year is not typically a time of high player movement um, you, you keep a pretty close tab on this sort of thing. Do you expect to see any of the bigger names? Bo Horvat obviously comes up quite a bit. Eric Carlson is rumored as, you know, potentially an object. Do you think we'll see some bigger names moved in the months ahead, or is this going to come down to the trade deadline and then disappoint us like usual? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, like, it's just me say that. It's so true. Like, Payne and Taze and O'Reilly and Terry right. like, Taze. <laughs> don't want to leave. Like I live in Chicago. Like I'm telling you, like that's a real possibility. They, they could go. One of them could go. Both of them could go, but they also might not. O'Reilly, that's a tough deal to get done. Like I, Tarasenko, he's been on the trade block for two years. Like he gets full say. Seems like the devils. Everyone's like, oh my goodness. Like, look at them. Like they've got to add, they've got to add. Every time I talk to Tom Fitzgerald, their GM this year, he's like, we're not doing anything this year to sacrifice the larger plan. And like, I philosophically do not believe in rental players. So like, I'm a little hesitant to say they're going to be big buyers. So my point is, um, I do think that is another year with a lot of hoopla, a lot of, you know, 
conjecture. There will be guys that move. Um, Bo Horvat, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be on the move. Timo Meyer is a name that I keep hearing again and again. Jacob Chikrin, although that one could push to the summer as well. Right. Um, the truth is everyone's waiting because everyone's pressed up against the salary cap. Everyone's waiting for all that cap space to accrue. And um, some teams do want to get do- deals done early to best, better their odds for this really amazing draft class. But um, maybe we get one big trade in the coming weeks, but it'll probably come down to the wire. All right. Well, thank you for all the information, everything, Emily. Best of luck the rest of the year and hope to chat with you again soon. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Emily. That's Emily Kaplan of ESPN at Emily M. Kaplan. Uh, very knowledgeable and around the horn. Yeah. Specialist. I, I, you, you'll get a little chuckle out of this. I'd love to do that show just because I'd need the dopamine hit of somebody telling me my points were so good all the time. Like, yeah, great job gunning. Oh, How would it feel when it. you're not getting points though? Mm. Devastating. Well, I mean, it's just kind of life, right? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm making points for, for an hour and change now. And Sam McKee hasn't told me one of them was good. Didn't I give know. me a single point. So I don't know. I did. I, you know, I was in Arizona for, I lived there for three years from 09 to 2012, okay. vaguely somewhere in there. And that was a part of my daily routine was PTI and for around sure. the horn and around the horn always felt like a show that I would hate to be on. That would stress me out. <laughs> I don't like confrontation. <laughs> it's just not, it's actually the real, the fear of being on a show with Nick Kiprios was the same thing. It was like, am I going to have to fight with someone every day? But no. It's nice. I come in, give oh. me a nice vacation. I'm like, I'm like herbal tea on this show. <laughs> I am now joined by Camomile. This is lovely. Can I give you my quick uh, Eric Carlson, like quasi-conspiracy theory Please. about the trade deadline? Please do. He's not going anywhere. And, uh, you know, various insiders, I'm not just uh, at our place. Obviously, there are plenty of insiders everywhere. They're throwing him out there as a name to have on the board when inevitably there's no moves to be made or everyone gets dealt ahead of time. He has four years left in like $100 million. Like it's it's 11 change for four more years. It's not going anywhere. They're not retaining your half of it for four more years. It feels like a name that is added to bolster the trade deadline stock so that if a Bo Horvat or O'Reilly or whoever goes ahead of time, it's like you still have your big fish to talk about on deadline. I would say the most stunning thing about working with Nick Kiprios has been him mentioning Carlson for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. I'm just, floored when I hear it. What's that? Multiple times. And it just seems like the last guy they need. It's like, what if Morgan Riley took more risks? <laughs> but, you know, on the other hand, of course, he scores a bajillion points, which yeah. Riley can't always be counted on to do, but... I don't know. Seems seems like a long shot for I, the Leafs. I, the thing I'll say about Carlson is just, and I, you know, I'm I am who I am. I'm a Leaf fan. Grew up on the Battle of Ontario. Could not stand the guy in the sense, but so happy to see him kind of refine his NHL life because okay. it's just he is truly there. There there are a lot of amazing players in the NHL, but there aren't that many one of ones. And he is just his own entity. He is yeah. he is truly a unique guy, and thrilled to see he found it after. Uh, who, who was it who tore up his his Achilles with uh was it Matt Cook? With oh the, yeah, with was, the it, forensics? was it on purpose the or forensics, not? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Rest All right. In peace. I, I also love. I think was it you, Borny, that said this that if you're going to trade Carlson and he's got four years left of playing meaningless hockey in a sick city where he just doesn't have to worry about anything, they're like, yeah, we're gonna. He's like, you're, you're gonna trade me where? <laughs> he's like. Yeah. He's like uh, I nixed that, sir. I would like. To, I would like. No. I'll he, go to Anaheim. Yeah, he's drinking a pina colada yeah. on a la- tube going down a lazy river in San Jose. <laughs> goes out Where's there to the office. Yeah. yeah, goes out there, gets four points, hits the beach, just like that. <laughs> yeah. No one cares. Like, yeah, I think he's good. Standing. We got thirty-eight media members being like, "I heard you yelled at a teammate in morning skate." You know, yeah. he's like, "I think I'll pass on Toronto." I'm gonna yell at you, bud. Yeah, it doesn't sound great. So, what do you honestly expect when we come in here on March? Fourth is March third trade Third's deadline. deadline day. When we're sitting here doing the March fourth show, what have the Toronto Maple Leafs done from now till then 
to change this roster. I'll go first to give you a second on it. I think they do a deal. They do a couple of deals. Mm -hmm. I think the first one is someone like, this is all Sam McKee. Speedy small winger. Well, Barbashev is not huge from St. Louis, but he did score 26 last year. Love He's a left Barbashev. winger, doesn't make a ton of money. There's going to be a bidding war mm-hmm. for him. He's a, it's a rental. Yep. But someone like Barbashev probably makes sense. Gosh, I hope I get this right and we get to replay it on March 4th. <laughs> um, there's uh, another D-man has been brought in, probably Gavrikov. You know, he seems really? like, well, I mean, that's the one that you, you can't believe they spent this yeah. much on him, whatever. But I, someone like that, that's not a huge name, but okay. it's supposed to help them. And the only thing I don't know is if we need a new goalie by then. And I say we because I cover this team enough, all right? Man, that's the concern for me is I'd love to sit here and say exactly what you said. Add on D, even though I don't know that they need it, but I do think that will end up happening. Yeah. And forward, who is somewhat sexy but not as sexy as you would like it's I not think, Horvat, exactly. it's not Ryan O'Reilly, O'Reilly who who by the way we found out before the show and you know take this with all the grains of salt but dead last in the NHL and plus minus at Selkie minus trophy 20, minus 28 by the way still not good enough to win this week's golf tournament uh was it the century <laughs> open yes. last last week yes. Morikawa. last year things. was one at minus 34 so O'Reilly needs to shoot 66 hey, he's got some time <laughs> he's got some time <laughs> Um, okay. And then, and then I, but I do really worry about the goaltending. You know, I, you know, I know McKee's been banging this drum. I was right there with him. I was really hoping the Jets are going to stink this year and you could go pill for Hellybuck, but that, uh, that's, that's not happening. I don't know who the guy you go out there and get is, but I'd be lying to you if I'm not very concerned about the goaltending. It's not going to be this bad all year long. They will get back above 900, but that's not good enough for me right. or anyone for that matter. So that's, that's still the big concern for me is the, the goalies. Unless, Matt Murray heads to Robita Island. These are the two goalies. You don't think there's any way they come to the conclusion that it's just not one of them has With to go. They're money? not good enough. Well, whatever money you'd have to move out one of the two guys and that's the money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't yeah. see it. No, I they've, they've kind of made I, Murray with the extra year, right? Like they're, he is kind of a lock. And what are you going to get for 1.75 million? That's going to be any better. So if you think, just in conjunction with this, if, <laughs> I don't know. If you th- well, if you think Gabrikov's coming in, in theory, that means a defender's going out, or Lilligren or Sandine or just sitting. That's it. Probably, yeah. yeah. I think they think they're going to need eight or nine D in in the playoffs. I think everyone kind of believes think, that. I think Lilligren probably has some value. Oh, you, oh that's about. a chip. I think. Yeah, which is I don't a know problem because do he it. does. Yeah, he does have value, and I think you know they they would want to keep him. Let right me tell you. Like let him. me tell you that is a that is a classic three playoffs from now. That guy's playing in a conference <laughs> final, and everyone's saying, "How are they let this? His pocket? <laughs> How are they let this yeah. guy go?" It's just yeah. it's the most classic but, thing. So, but what do you think, Sam, for the other position? If you're going to make a big swing for another defenseman that you're just going to place in there, like. I like what Lilligren's brought, but I also remember the rest of his career. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I no, think it's not that you can't trade him. I for think sure. his value is pretty high right now. Like, I don't think there's a world in which one of the guys that's on the decor right now is a part of a trade for another D man. I agree. I agree with that. Like, I don't think that's a crazy. If you if you are Columbus, you would want someone you who's going that. to help you as you turn things around, yep. and you have Connor Bedard good, and Lilligren's in the back contract. end. Or, like, he yeah. has to have some value, and oh, yeah. Sandine too has to have some value for sure. So. I don't know. I wouldn't be heartbroken to see one of those guys as part of a Depending big... on the return. Yes. Do you think then, do you expect them to, what do you think for upfront indeed? Do you think there's big moves or do you think this is classic Dubas? He gets Labushkin and... I really think that he was kicked in the you-know-what by the Felino thing. Yeah. 
Like, I really do think that scared him, and I think he's still feeling that in his guts, if you know what I mean. Uh, but my male it... audience will understand that reference, but I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if he's ready. I, like, is he going to go out there and spend the first on Timo Meyer? Like, is that well, so something I that kinda, he's going to do? That was interesting. I go the other way on it. I think you're right. He got kicked in the you-know-where by Nick Foligno, but I think he'll, I, I mean, you know him better than any of us. I think the lesson that would be gleaned out of that would be the opposite one because it wasn't Nick Felino or nobody. It was Nick Felino or Taylor Hall. And it was the idea of, do you get the quote unquote safer guy who is going to play the game the right way and not cheated? And his dad played on the team and all that stuff. <laughs> or do you go get the guy who's a first overall pick and has won a heart trophy in this league? Yeah. And they, they made the wrong choice there. And yeah. you know, Taylor Hall can't win. And we all had that conversation, but I, if anything, I would say he goes the other way, having been, having been burned on the quote unquote safe decision. Yeah. Yep. So so fast. Lots of time on this one. So Timo Meyer. I hope you guys like that conversation because you'll be hearing <laughs> many versions it. of it between now and March 3rd. Yeah. Uh, he makes $6 million this year, Timo Meyer. Yeah, problem is his qualifying offer is $10 million. Okay. Which so I don't even know what that means. That's a situation you worry about like yeah, after you trade for chucked him. him. Right. Yeah, basically. So, so oh no, I was just going to say that he's really good. Meyer's oh, really good. good. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah, and, and he on a good a, team, he, he could matter. He is a left winger. Oh, like it's a he's a, he's bigger than I thought he was too. He's six one two twenty. Like he's a bigger guy than you think he would be. I'm he, sorry, Timo Myers two twenty. Yeah, that's what it says on NHL.com. Hmm. Also bigger than I thought. Six one two twenty. Guy that skates fast, shoots the puck in the net. And he, I looked up Barbashev. Barbashev six one ninety. The whole Blues, bigger, the whole Blues team, just heavy. Yeah, but Barbashev's not huge. No, he's, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, so yeah, plenty of those conversations ahead. When uh, we're going to be joined by Sam Cosentino after this, talk about all the World Junior excitement, the you know potential draft and all that, and then you and I are going to talk about our All Star picks because there are plenty to choose from. The fans this year are going to vote three players per division, so we are going to pick three players per division, and and we're going to do text as well at five ninety five ninety, and on the yes. YouTube's if you're watching the YouTube's, please at me so I will see your question. Ask, I hope Torts is listening. Yeah, we will talk about torts in the All-Star game. Uh, Ask uh, some questions, 590-590, and yeah, we will be back in, oh, I don't know, a few minutes. See you then. Welcome back to Real Kipper and Gunning and McKee. And now, joined by another name, Sammy Cosentino. Sammy Cos, what's up, brother? JB, what's going on, man? Nothing, nothing. We're just uh, discussing. You know, actually, we were just discussing is J.J. Watt explaining to a teammate uh, the rules of hockey. Did you know that J.J. Watt can skate? I did not know that. He's a giant moose of a man. And get, him, get him on the left side. <laughs> yeah, he'd be great for the Leafs. He'd be Tom Wilson plus. <laughs> um, what's going on? Where are you at? Did you uh, go to the World Juniors? What's happening? World Juniors, all done. On a flight to Montreal for a game here tomorrow night. Lovely. So, uh, yeah, you doing color? Watch. I'm doing color tomorrow night. So switching roles, it's uh, it's cool to be doing different things. Nice. That's great, man. Well, we always uh, appreciate you coming on, giving us a little bit of, of this junior stuff that we don't get to watch as much. Uh, what did you leave as a takeaway from this World Junior Tournament? Any, any sort of over uh, big picture thoughts from Team Canada, the World Juniors at large? Big picture thoughts in terms of the world. Like everybody is, is better. Okay. The Slovaks are better. The Swiss are better. The Czechs obviously were in the final are better. The Americans disappointed and sort of the Swedes a little bit, 
even the Finns for that matter, but they're always in that top tier, so I'm not concerned about those countries. That's probably one takeaway. The next would be overall to see draft-eligible talent play in meaningful, impactful situations throughout the event for all different countries was also really, really impressive. And more specifically from a Canadian standpoint, I, I have a great appreciation for this group because when you're told going in that you're the best team ever assembled, and then you go out and lose your first game, the pressure playing at home is immense, and they overcame that to come to to go and win. So I thought that I, that that was probably the big takeaway from a Team Canada standpoint for me. Yeah, I mean, overreactions are uh, definitely a certain part of this tournament, and man, were they flying after that first game, and lo and behold, it's Czechia that they end up playing in the final. So, yeah, kudos to to those guys, and obviously we want to ask you about a ton of the Canadians, but you mentioned Slovakia there, and obviously they had the great quarterfinal against Canada. They they really, really pushed them. I think, you know, nobody who watched that game didn't leave it with a ton of respect for the Slovakian team, but I'd be lying if I was watching it saying, what are the Canadians thinking not having Slavkovsky there? You know, I understand they've burned the year. They want him up in the NHL. You want to keep him in control in your system. I understand all that. But don't you think it would have been a huge boon for him to go and be a part of that great team? And, you know, they pushed Canada hard without him. Who knows if he could have tipped the scales one way or another. Do you think it was a mistake on Montreal's part not to send him? Well, it's interesting. I haven't looked far enough down their depth chart, but when I look at their roster now, and and and, and all due respect to an Anthony Richard player who I watched grow grow in in Valdor and you know fight his way after year after year to get to the National Hockey League, my guess is the depth in in Laval maybe wouldn't allow for that to happen. So you know Slavkovsky is obviously playing a bigger role. They want to continue to mentor him. I do believe those experiences are really really important. Um, you know, for going and, and winning and, and and maybe the Montreal Canadiens feel that they've, you know, they had that experience with Slovakia winning a, a bronze at the, you know, at the at the Olympics for the first time in the country's history. I, I kind of would have liked to see him there, to be honest with you, but I can't speak to what the depth looks like in the organization for, for a team that's continually losing here. I think six straight the run is now. So, again, that, that's a delicate one to kind of answer. But for me, I don't think those experiences going back and playing with your peers to A, give you confidence, and B, allow you to be a key part on the team and, and like you say, maybe push them forward into a, into a metal game would have been pretty cool too. Yeah, we were talking before the show, like it's crazy that Nick Robertson didn't go be a part of the American team when he had the opportunity. Um, you know, easy to say hindsight's twenty twenty, but um, those, are, those are good experiences for the but, kids. But you know what, though, Borny? Yeah, yeah, here's ahead. the other thing I'll say about it. And you know, Kent Hughes is a guy who thinks outside the box. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure he didn't approach Uri himself and say, hey, you know, what do you want to do here? Now, sure, good point. When you're making that kind of money, that's pretty tough to leave. And then you think, all right, if I leave and something goes goofy or someone, we start to play well in Montreal and I don't get my spot back, there goes the big paycheck and get back on the bus to Laval too. So I'm not so sure that that conversation wasn't had knowing Kent Hughes. You know, he's a good communicator. He thinks outside the box. Maybe he did ask Slavkovsky. Maybe Slavkovsky said, you know what? I, I want to be here with the, with the team that I'm on, and I want to be here for a long time, so I'm, I'm going to stay. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Cause It's t- tough to know how those conversations went down. One of the, uh, the ones that we have had a conversation about on sort of a big picture level two is Shane Wright, right? Like this is a guy who yep. source of much conversation. We know the background now, a few games with Seattle and all that, and he's headed back. What did you make of his tournament, and uh, what do you expect is happening now with uh, the next, I don't know, few months of his career? 
Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, it looks as if Brant Clark's going back to Barry, and I'd say for Seattle, you know, they've gotten to where they are, bouncing in and out of a playoff position for the most part without Shane Wright all year. So wouldn't he benefit from the experience of going back? I kind of think so. I'll say this about his tournament. He was good. He was not great until the final game. I thought he was absolutely brilliant yesterday. He looked like U18 Shane Wright to me. He was winning battles. He was engaged. He was 53% in the face-off circle when he'd had difficulties in that area the two games previously against the U.S. and Slovakia. He was making plays. His goal, I thought, was excellent. You know, it comes off the blade in a hurry, probably a little bit before Suhanik expected it to, goes top shelf. That was a really important goal. All told, the three NHLers <laughs> ended up with the most impact in the game there. I think Clark had two assists right at a goal, and Gunther obviously with his two goals. So I, I think I, I really appreciated his game. He looked a lot more like the Shane Wright that was projected to be number one overall than I'd seen him since the 2021 summer when he won gold with Canada at the under-18s. Yeah, and you know, again, we don't need to rehash it, but it's been just such an odd six months going back to the draft, and did he stare down the Canadians? So for him to kind of have this capper on it and, you know, be it back in the NHL or whether he ends up getting dealt to Peterborough or wherever it may be in the O, uh, hopefully this can kind of uh, kind of reset things for him because it's definitely a, a weird, weird summer there. Um, we've been good. We haven't asked about Connor Bedard yet. It's time to put a stop to that. <laughs> uh, he's generational. we got to ask you about him. I, I think the, the first place I want to start with you is, do you see a comp for him? You know, we always try to do this with a player coming up. He's like a this or much like a lot of these guys. Is he just kind of a one-on-one or is there somebody you do see, you know, bits and pieces of in his game? I, I tend to think he's more kind of a, a one-on-one. But uh, Jason Buchel, who we work with, the pro hockey group, uh, I defer to him in these matters. Mm-hmm. He's been in the business at that level for such a long time. And reading his piece on sportsnet.ca today, he says he's a little bit Kane, a little bit Marner, and a little bit Matthews. And I like that. And I'll take it. To be honest with you, I didn't see much of the cane previously to the tournament. Because right. every time you watch a highlight, he's scoring goals. He's scoring 50 goals every year. Why wouldn't you just show the goals? What impressed me most about his play at the tournament is his playmaking ability. I didn't know he had it in him to make the kind of plays he was making. No look stuff. He's a threat off the rush coming down the wing because you always think he's going to try that weak side, weak side goal line shot. He deferred off of that a couple of times and set up some unbelievable plays. Honestly, there was probably five or six points left in the bag for, for guys not being able to, to finish. And obviously, you're not going to finish every opportunity, but probably five or six points left in the bag from his, from his uh, ridiculous playmaking. So that's an element that I hadn't quite seen or maybe appreciated before in his game. But that part's it's good, really good too. Yeah, you see Matthew shot. You see some of the Marner like pushouts when it looks like he's going to pull it across and he'll push it back out and take it wider. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely see some of those traits there. Um, you know, in terms of the future of Canadian hockey, no big deal here. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I look at Olympic teams and and whatever we map out for Canada, there's no goalies cause. Like you know, Logan Thompson is the best Canadian goalie. Carter Hart, who is it? Like it's we don't we don't really know. Is there a guy that's on the way? Is Milich one of these guys that can do it? Uh, well, he wasn't to this point. He's been through the draft twice. He yeah. plays in Seattle, so it's sort of an underrated market. Dennis Williams is the head coach in Everett. They play Seattle all the time. He knew what he was getting into when he brought, you know, in part brought Milich onto the team. I don't think he's that guy. I mean, based on size alone, maybe six feet, maybe just a shade over about 180 pounds. You know, you and I talked about this before. Like some of these goalies, they're, they're just so wiry. 
Like you expect them to be bigger people, maybe like Frederick Anderson, but Frederick Anderson is more the exception than he is the norm. Right. So when I'm looking at goalies right now, um, and I haven't really thought much about the, the 2006 uh, born group, but if I'm looking at the 2005s, you saw um, the goaltender for uh, the U.S. You know, he got pulled after a couple of goals. He was doing a really good job there in, in goal for uh, for the U.S. before he got yanked, giving up five goals in two periods against the Swedes, and he'd given up five the night before before an empty netter to Canada. But I'm talking about Canadian goalies. There's not one on my radar right now that I look and say, all right, this guy's mm-hmm. the next big thing. The one guy I will say that probably is the best of the lot is Connor Bjarnason, who plays for the Brandon Wheat Kings. He may end up slipping here into the first round. 6'3 guy, super calm, really poised. He's athletic yet in control of his movements. So he's a guy maybe we're hanging our, our hopes on here moving forward. But having said that, you know, a guy in his first year draft eligibility, if he's that good, if he's that elite, maybe why wasn't he on this world junior team? You have Goudreau as an incumbent. You have Milich as a guy that maybe the coaching staff knew better. Tough to say, but he'd be the guy. Carter Bjarnason, who's, uh, who, who plays in, uh, in Brandon. Do you give any credence to the idea that it's just all risk and no reward if you're a Canadian goalie and it just doesn't seem that much fun? You know, like, yes, there we go back in the sure. the annals of this tournament and Mark Denis and, you know, he was great. And, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury before he shot it off Patrick O'Sullivan and in the back of the net. You know, there have been guys, Carey Price, of course, Justin Pogge had a moment in this tournament. But it feels like, generally speaking, when we talk about this country winning, especially at this level, it's, boy, would you look at all the future first-line studs in the NHL that they have in great decor. And it just feels to me like the goalie, it's you do your job and you're part of the team or you're the guy wearing the goat horns. Do you give any credence to that being the reason why we're kind of having trouble developing goalies as a country? That may be part of it, but here's what I think is the issue. In in my, First of all, you have goalies who are groomed from the age of six or seven years old. I don't believe that's the way to go about it, right? You're specializing at that position at such a, a young age, so you're missing out on what other sports have to offer. And oftentimes I look at the glove hand and how many goalies can't actually catch a puck clean because they've never played baseball. All the old guys played baseball growing up. That's why they, they had some ability with their glove. Yeah. The next part is when I look at other nations – there seems to be kind of a general plan on how they train their goalies on how they develop their goalies. And it's not always by playing goal, like I said, but there's also a nice set of guidelines in which someone can still use their personal attributes yet fit in the country's guidelines. When I look at the competition here in Canada and think about some of the hotbeds, whether it's in BC or in Quebec or in Ontario, or maybe uh, out West, uh, I think what you have is such great competition that while Hockey Canada, when you're with Hockey Canada and you're one of those elite goalies, you're taught to do things a certain way, but that's only before and after you've gone to see your own specialized goalie coach whose thoughts might be a little bit different on how to play the position than what you get with the national team program. But everyone's trying to keep up with the Joneses. Oh, I go see this guy. I'm going to go see that guy. That guy played the show for so long. That guy was with Hockey Canada. And so you have all of these varying tactics and techniques in which our goalies are being trained and developed, yet, okay, now you have to conform because you're with Hockey Canada. Now you have to conform because you're with the Sherbrooke Phoenix. Now you have to conform because this is the guy you use in the summer. And I think all of those varying um, variances makes it really difficult for a kid to be confident enough to know what he is in, within the confines of some general guidelines like we're seeing in other countries. Yeah.
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Kazi, how uh, how is Halifax? You guys party it up or what? No. <laughs> no, not one bit. <laughs> you, no, we're good. <laughs> a couple of pops while you're out there or what? Sounds like a fun no, time. I, I actually had a Band-Aid on my finger from turning on the lights at the bar. <laughs> well wow, that's great it sounds like a fun time we appreciate you taking the time to come and uh, fill us in buddy appreciate it all right guys take care thanks a lot right, see you Cosy. Oh, that was great i mean those guys you the- could not there was no way we could have been like and what do you think about dylan gunther's and it like there that had to be the ender of the, the interview <laughs> right there yeah what he's cut his finger turning on the light switch what a line oh god i love sammy cause he is he's a great guy um here's those, a question for you guys yeah will connor bedard be on the best the next best on best for team canada one hundred thousand yeah. yeah. percent they're I mean, not doing it till 2025 now apparently oh yeah for sure how is that possible they're not gonna do it it's for- criminal well, I mean, well, uh, we should get Emily Kaplan back on. Now yeah. she's and that's how. That's uh, kind of part of the reason there. Oh, awkward color tug. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but, you know, the, it's it is criminal. fascinating that we can't produce a goaltender in this country anymore. There was a... There's so a, that was Quebec's job. Well, that, was, that was the thing. That's their the, job. We factory. all have our jobs. Everyone got 300 points in that league, and the goalie saw 900 shots a game, and eventually you figured out how to stop enough of them that it translated. Yeah. It's criminal. It is. Do it your is. job. Truly, though, I think there's you, your point about risk-reward is fair, and even if it's not to do with being on Team Canada, yeah. the risk-reward factor is just, you know, when you're done playing hockey, like for my son, yep. when he's done and presumably is not in the NHL because he's human mm-hmm. and most people don't play in the NHL. I would like him Keep to... Keep reminding me of this when I talk to you about my son, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I would like him to be able to play the game with his friends. Yes. And being a goalie's hard and beer league. Yeah, and what, is every, gear what does and every goalie do when they want to go out? Like every goalie when they turn 20 is Becomes like, a skater. Oh, I want to play out. I'm good. Yeah. I got hands, boys. I, I went into... I went in... I've heard about this. A, Are you the a, answer? In a beer league game probably like two or three months ago, our goalie pulled something. Just for, looking like Gumby for with shift. leather pads so on? First shift, he's like, I, he's like, I can't go. I can't go. And it was <laughs> going to be the end of the game or somebody went in and I was like, all right, I'll go in. Yeah. He's got really nice gear. I put on all his gear. We're kind of say he's a little shorter than me, whatever. Anyone who willingly chooses to do that is an insane person. <laughs> it is the worst experience of all time. It's there's not one like I made a couple of good saves. It's like that's not even enjoyable. It's like whatever. Like it hit me great. Like I don't know why you would do it. <laughs> Did you see the picture? So Paul Campbell is one of my favorite uh, people to follow. Is a writer for In Goal Media at Way to Go Paul. Uh, I retweeted something his today. It's a picture of the the is a Czech goalie buried in his in his. Just near tears while Canada celebrates. And Is that he, before or after he got his Oscar? He, well, f- fair enough. But he says, goaltending is suffering. Each rock you push to the hilltop crashes back to earth. Expectation crushes you. Hope vanishes like smoke through the webbing of your trapper. Stoop double over the ice like an octogenarian. Everything hurts. It's always your fault. Curse God and die. Not That's wrong. Not wrong. And one last point. They don't even do cool stuff anymore. What happened to like the old like rolling two pad stacks or goalies oh, flying out with a hot? Yeah, used to like have it used to be so cool. And and Maybe got, that's it. No guys fun. need better masks again. I I mean I can fix goaltending in Canada. Apparently we need to give everybody the best gear possible. Time give them for a customized mask. It's also not wrong. The most expensive position. 
hey, I think we've realized why this is not, we're not creating goalies. Everything about it is worse. It's just the just worst stinks. part of the game. <laughs> just goalies. stinks. We're going to get some nasty notes about this. No, they know. They know. Oh, Every goalie no knows, goal. There's no goalie who's out there and is like, no, I am a sane person and this is fun. No. But, but here's the thing. I think we're validating goaltenders because they like being different. They like being yeah, unique. They like sure. that is, they are a different breed. You have to be to do it on your own. Take all the heat, all the pressure. Definitely. Don't there's be there's crazy there's crazy things. positions in every sport, but nothing like goalie. Nothing nope, like it. Nothing like goalie. Um okay, so the All-Star game is uh coming up at some point and the NHL has picked a player for every team in the NHL. Sure. Fans so are going stupid. to pick three, What's that? <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I saw sure. I I wish I could dig it up. I forgot who tweeted, but it was like William Nylander has more points than like 85% of the guys. I know. Him. So one thing they did do that was cool, though, is you don't have to pick a certain number of forwards and defensemen. Did you notice yeah. that? So the NHL is going to have some teams. I think the Atlantic. Here's who's going for the Atlantic division. Matthews. Pat, sorry, these are the guys unselected. Uh, where's their list of the selected guys? One sec. For the Atlantic, we have Kucherov, Larkin, Marner, Suzuki, Thompson, Kachuk, Kachuk, uh, and that's it. That's all forwards. So in their three three tournament, in there. no D. <laughs> That's fine. It's three, I mean, it's three. It's it's a three on three gimmick. Like it's a three on three gimmick game for children and sponsors. You can have no D. Honestly, have no goalies and play posts for all I care. Like here's the Metro: Crosby, Goodrow, Hayes, Hughes, Nelson, Ovechkin, Svechnikov. No D. Adam Fox can't get in there. Only four yeah, who, who D. Who got named? Four yeah. D have been selected. Carlson, three of them from the Central. Carlson went yeah. from the Pacific, and the Central has three Seth Jones, Central. Kale McCarr, and Josh Morris here going. <laughs> Much like the conversation we had yesterday morning and i'll bring it up with gunner too let's just play and it's very similar to the ot in world juniors Maybe a hockey let's, game how about a hockey game well okay <laughs> i think the greatest players on earth doing what they do every night if we're not gonna have best on best like ser- like i was half kidding can we not go back i'm pretty sure it was when the all-star game was here it was one of the years for the format can we go back and get the old north america versus the world like the great elsa said let it go let it go. I mean, again, I actually, and I, uh, I am someone who gets way too worked up about just about anything. And even I am learning to not yeah. care about the all-star game. Although I do still have like a lot of opinions on the, like Emily said about the skills competition. Yeah. I want hardest shot yep. and I want them shooting foam targets. I know it's bad for the environment with the, uh, not, not for the hardest shot, oh, but for yeah. the accuracy shooting. I you need it to blow up. Oh yeah. You don't like 100%. it at the Bellagio? Was that yeah. Jeez, wearing toques outside because it's 15 degrees. So I, I didn't mind that. It was fine. So Again, they're, they're it's gonna, fine. They're going to do fine. something fun for Florida, right? Like Florida's going to have some sort of, they are going to do something. You got to like um, shoot a, a marlin that's jumping out of the water or something or, like that. I don't know. You know, maybe a rep, large reptile of some variety oh. or something. Ripping bucks into a crocs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of environmentally. Anyways. It's going to be going to be entertaining to see what they choose. Okay. So from the Atlantic division, I'll read off some uh, unselected players. We're going to pick two and a goalie. You have to pick a goalie. Austin Matthews, David Pasternak, William Nylander, Braden Point, Alex Tuck, Jeff Skinner, Brad Marchand. Two picks of that group. I'll go first. Uh, David Pasternak is having an unbelievable season. You Gotta have be. to have him there. Gotta and uh, I know this goes against everything I agreed with what McKee said about William Nylander, but it's an all-star game. You have to have Austin Matthews. I there. thought the There's exact no, same thing. There is no world where Austin Matthews American Hart Trophy, Ted Lindsay, last guy to score 60, playing for the 
most important franchise, on, he has to be there. And he's on pace for 95 points and 40 goals. Like, I know those are off last year's numbers, but they're not yeah. non-existent numbers. So it's Matthews and Pasternak for me, too. McKee? Willie and Matthews. No Love Pasternak. It. Yes. Love Keep it. him out of there. You're the best. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> uh, goalie uh, from the division. Vasilevsky or Samsonov? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Can we get Shalgren in there? Vassy. Right, so Vassy's going. Okay. Yeah. Well, quickly on the Nylander thing, yeah. I will say it's a little interesting that the league chose to send Marner there as the player representative because it just seems so obvious to me that Marner would be there in a passing part of the skills contest. Matthew's going to be doing some type of shooting. Why don't you just let William Nylander play hockey? Like, it seems like if you, and now I know this is my Leaf bias, but hey, the Leafs are an important team. Maybe get some guys there. Maybe have the three All-Stars they have at the All-Star game. Here's an idea. Maybe we don't need Seth Jones there. No disrespect to Seth Jones, but it has not been an All-Star season for Seth Keller's my guy there, but you're right. Okay. Uh, Metro Division. Here are your options to pick two from. Panarin, Zibanejad, Barzal, Bratt, Fox, Natchez, Heashier, Konechny. Two picks. Sam McKee, do you want to... Take a swing or... Yeah, I, I'll i take a swing here. I don't think it's very sexy necessarily, but I think Martin Natchez, or Natchez, I always screw up Yeah, Natchez is good. He deserves to be there. He's leading this, the second best team in the league in scoring, which would probably surprise you. Are they the second best team in the league? They got to be up there. Yeah, they yeah, they're second. 12-game yep. winning streak. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with uh, Natchez. God, that's a weird one. Good pick. And probably Jesper Bratt. All I ever hear about is Jesper Bratt being this super sexy guy on the, on the, yeah. on the Devils. He's got his own fan club. So I'm going to go. But you do need a defenseman. I did, Adam Fox I did is Fox. quite filthy. Adam Fox is in for me. No, I'm going Natchez and Fox. All right. Natchez and Fox. I got Fox and Barzal because go Isles go. Yeah, same. I did Barzal because it's the idea of this is his event to shine. Like wait, he is like Mitch fast Marner, skater, lighty, yeah. fast skater, great hands. Plays on a team where he never gets to do any of this stuff. Imagine how fun it'll be to have skill guys around him. Yeah. Like, yeah, I put him out there. So yeah, I go. I I I did have Breadman and Barzal, but I'm gonna switch because Fox deserves it. If if Kale McCard didn't exist, the things we would say about Adam Fox. So oh, let him get there and get his due. And then uh, goalie Sorokin, Kochikov, Kochetkov, Jari, and Vanacek. Um, I'm taking Sorokin just because again, Isles. I'm going to go with the guy whose name I can't pronounce. Uh, Kochetkov, I think, is what you said anyways. Uh, Look, uh, who knows if he'll ever get here again. Let him enjoy his moment. You like him too, right, Sammy? Well, yeah. I I do. (laughs) (laughs) I can't talk about goalies anymore. I didn't. I didn't. I I liked watching when we got to sit close with Kipper's buddies. I liked to watch in Sorokin. Seemed like a complete nut. He's the reason the Isles have a chance here to get in the playoffs. I'm going to go Sorokin. Sorokin. Um, Central Division, unpicked players. Rantanen, Hintz, Connor, Shifley, Zuccarello, Kairou, Pavelski, all unselected. I'm going to go Hintz and Ooh. Kyle Connor. I'm going to go. I got Rantanen and Hintz. Uh, McKee, are you uh, taking selections for all these? I don't even I, know if I asked you to do I this pre-show. Love, I, I love Rupe because it's just a hell of a handle. It's a Rupe great Hintz, name. It's one of the best ones, but I'm not going to pick him, unfortunately. I'm going to go Miko Rantanen. Yeah. He's been great for them, and they've been depleted. He's kept them afloat offensively yeah. in and the absence I'll, of and a I'll lot go, of guys. And I'll go Kyle Connor because he shoots in the puck in the net a lot. Yeah. And then for goalies, you know, you're basically choosing between Hellebuck Ottinger. and Ottinger. Ottinger. I got Hellebuck for my guy. Both just, Americans. Can we borrow one of them? Yeah, right. No, he's got to swing a, a no, trade with Russia for a goalie. That's right. what we got to do. Like a Sorokin, Shesterkin. And I, I hate to break it, but like Morgan Riley's the quality of the D. The be going the other way. Like, you got to make it fair. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to <laughs> you. Russia. All right. Lastly, the Pacific Division. Unselected players. Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Horvat, Meyer, Zegris, Stone, Eichel. Zegris, eh? In that, in that 
stack of players? You have look. Uh, there- let me just get out in front of it. I hate that I'm doing it because no one, as much as I've said, I've, got, I've made my peace with it. Clearly, that is not true. If you hear me talking right now. He has to be there. They made the whole event about him last year. He threw on the dodgeball uniform. It is not for me. It is not for anyone who can drive or even attend, like, middle school. But the kids, I guess, love it. You got to go Zegras in there. I don't want to. I would go if it's just for my own enjoyment. Give me Eichel. Give me Dreisaitl. But I got to go Dreisaitl Zegras. Wow. Zegras in. He, I, look, it's for the kids. It is. Sorry. I don't like it either. Okay? He's on the cover, I, NHL 23. I'm not the biggest Oilers fan, as you probably figured. Out, but I'm going to take the two Oilers. Ryan Nugent Hopkins quietly having one of the better years in yeah. the league. Like he's playing really, really well for them. And Leon Drysettle's second in the like because he's not second in the league in scoring. Yes. So yeah, Drysettle's a no-brainer. He's, give me, give me the two Oilers. Yeah, Drysettle's there, and then I'm going to go with Hoboy actually future. Back, actually, he screw, scores. Screw that. Give me Timo Meyer, future Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> The best part is picking a goalie from the, this division. Your choice of the remain the best goaltenders remaining to choose from are Martin Jones, Stuart Skinner, and Phoenix Copley. No, Jack Campbell. Jack did not get oh, nominated. Oh, you can you, right hey, votes are hey, allowed. John Scott got in. Why can't Jack? <laughs> God, it's an all-time clip for us. Uh, I'm picking Skinner just because uh, I'm about dat smoke, I think the kids say. Mm. I, I like to, uh, I'm going at Campbell a little bit with that one maybe, but pro Canada too, good Canadian goaltender. Maybe uh, he's our future. Somebody I, better be. Yeah. He's big goalie. Blackwoods, Large. they talk about. Oh, yeah, really? I don't know. They do? Yeah. I, <laughs> look, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you what I heard, okay? Uh, you gave me a great fact about Someone named Phoenix Copley, who is allegedly an NHL goaltender. Where's he from again? <laughs> North Pole, Alaska. Done. That's my guy. <laughs> He's from the North Pole. Let him go to the All-Star game in South Florida, please. He's from the North Pole. So tonight... Let's not overthink it. My uh, So the guy who covers Alaskan hockey, his name is Doyle Woody. He's, I'm a huge Doyle oh Woody God, fan. Get him down there, too. I know. Doyle's the best. He... Uh, he tweeted today that tonight is the first ever All-Alaskan goaltending matchup. Jeremy Swayman's from Anchorage, Alaska, playing Phoenix Copley of oh, North Pole, Alaska. You love that. I do love that. It's what great. a time. There's no one up there. Like 800,000 people live in the whole state, and it's three times the size of Texas. There's no humans. <laughs> Two of them are playing in goal for NHL teams tonight. It's That's insanity. Pretty, pretty remarkable. It is. It's um, absolutely crazy. Have they, had, have they had like a player since Scott Gomez? That we can think of ah Nate Thompson okay. was around yeah they they got guys there's okay. guys there. I, mean, let's, I know putting you on I, the spot I'm, no curious. I'm embarrassed that I can't think because there is a number of guys uh, from there that are that's in the league anyway um got some questions great I'm gonna start with the uh, frequent texter with a great question Bruce from Penetanguishing what up Bruce love the area by the way question guys do you think the growing goaltending concerns could be the thing that is the final nail in the coffin for Kyle Dubas depending on playoff success. It crossed my mind just today that if it doesn't work out and the goaltending doesn't come through in the playoffs and they lose in the first round, you'll look at it and you go, well, you tried to fix it with Campbell mm-hmm. and Mrazic, then you tried to fix it with Samsonov and Murray, and, you know, that's a huge position to get wrong to try to skimp on. Yeah, I, the way I look at it is even last year heading into it, everyone said, well, if they lose in the first round again, you got to reset it. And then we saw the way it happened, and you go, but it was right try. there, probably one more try. If it is, it, if they go to the wall and it's game seven and the goalies hold up and it's one bounce or whatever, I don't know that it's the kiss of death. But if the goaltending implodes, 
than I do think it is because it was clearly the biggest swing heading into the season. And, you know, I'm very much a believer in all goaltending moves for the most part are a swing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this was a really, really big one. And, yeah, I do think he made his bed. And I think there's a really weir- real world where it is his undoing as a Leafs GM. You know, I think if the Leafs win the first round, they they win three games, 100 to zero, and then they lose four games, three to two in quadruple overtime on bad bounces. Yep. Dubas is still fired. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter how I great said, they look I, I in the process. I don't disagree, but I said the exact same thing last year. And I, then I know. everything uh, happened. Yeah, you're I right. No, I know. Like that's just where we keep coming back to. Oh, man. Went around, please went around. <laughs> I just, I, you know, the, the McKee clip of saying please win before game seven, just please win. Like, just so we don't have to do this just all year. win, please, just one of these times. That, so we don't have to do this. Uh, all right, you got any I have other? a very simple message for the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. <laughs> please win. <laughs> um, yeah. So and this, they didn't. So this, is, didn't. A, this is a great question, and different maybe from Warrior Womp on YouTube. He always uh, contributes to our show and stuff. Appreciate it. Size, speed, or strength, which is your favorite trait when you pair it with skill? Wow. Oh, it's got to be strength. No, so well, size and strength to me are that's that's, tough to... Not necessarily. Holmberg's very strong, well, but he's I, not big. I want strong because size to me, if it's like Justin Hall, is not what I'm talking about. So give me strength with it. <laughs> yeah, give I me go, strength and skill. I think I go size because to me, the most intriguing guy, and this is like complete recency bias of this season, is just Tage Thompson. And yeah. not that he isn't also strong, but he's not just big. He's mutant big. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at Char, and obviously Char was not an overly skilled good, player. Well, he There's was just, though. Well, yeah, like you, yeah. the early stuff. You're you're right, especially he, when he when we think stuff. of him. When we think of him at the tail end of his career, when yeah. he existed just to take 15 penalties a game and dare someone to call him on him. <laughs> a different guy earlier on in his career. But yeah, I think that for me, and it's totally just closing my eyes, thinking of Tage Thompson. Yeah, six seven, awesome hands, awesome feet. Give it to me. I think a fun question is in pick, that is an awesome question. In by the picking way, your I'm going speed, speed and skill. Yeah, but I, I feel like we see that a lot. That's that's the most common pairing. That's the you know. Are, did Kyle Dubas just hack your brain? You, <laughs> well, because like you could have had a big guy or a strong guy, feel, and you took a fast guy. I feel like the pursuit of the puck for your skill is the most important thing. Yeah, right. Like a guy, you know, you can have strength, you can have size or whatever. But the most important trait to get the puck getting past somebody, isn't it speed? Isn't yeah, that the most I mean, important thing? Yeah, I would say. If you're if you're picking one trait in a hockey player, I would think I would pick speed. So in the characteristic... God, that team's fast. Like last night, the Leafs yeah, got, yeah. you know, like, think of the squids. They're fast. Yeah. They're flying around. They got a bunch of guys that just skate. Speed is an incredibly important. We've had this conversation, I think, in the show before. But if you could set the characteristic sliders to 100% of speed skill or strength or smarts which is your your team mm. every player gets maxed out on this one trait i think it's speed smarts is a pretty good oh vote. no like that was the uh, that was the second that was a clear as day second option for yeah. me but to mckee's point i do think it's speed yeah speed speed it is you okay. can outskate mistakes i think maybe hopefully <laughs> I never know when you talk if it's on air. I said, is that yay, on air 15 Kerfoots. Yeah, okay. <laughs> never know if it's to me directly or on air. Never know if I'm responding. Great you guys, joke. You guys want an HF boards? Uh, <laughs> sure. All, like, a little, uh, little end trade? of Friday show, HF boards it up. Could the Leafs, Arizona, and Vancouver do a three-way trade? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the, where the Leafs get Chikrin, Kraus, and Kuzmenko. 
<laughs> would it take Sandine, Nyes, and a first to make this deal work? And that's yeah. from our boy Tyler and Peterborough. Have them. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think I yes. don't think the Leafs have the assets to land. Yeah, those are three, three of- really good <laughs> cost control players. Kuzmenko's unbelievable for yeah. Vancouver this year. What's he make? Nothing? And nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And, and Krause is on that cheap deal, and Chikrin's on a cheap deal. That I mean, don't make no sense. I love the idea, but it's just not going to work. What did Vancouver get out of that? I'm curious. A headache. Which of the- <laughs> Bedard, maybe. Yeah, probably. Oh, side, quick side note. Did you see this? The... So the Canucks put out a tweet, basically as like Connor Bedard catnip was the the impetus of it, but it was like, congrats for winning Canada gold. And it was Bedard, one other player, and Dylan Gunther. Dylan Gunther was a draft pick taken with a Vancouver Canucks first round pick oh, that got no. traded. And the people of Vancouver were not happy about this. Like, it's just, it was an all-time just not reading what the What trade moment. was that in? I don't know. I was... I'm going to look that up. Yeah, it's it got to be the one that sent so, Louis me, Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel... For OEL. Enough people were mad about Garland. it that I knew it was true. It was. That's what yeah. it was, yeah. It was, yeah. Garland, right? Yeah, they traded Beagle, Roussel, Louis Erickson, and uh, the round, this, yeah, and that pick. And that pick. Tough. Or Garland and OEL's absolute albatross of a contract Tough. that they are now living with. And then they got to get killed on Twitter for it, so even better. That's awesome. It's great. God. So this weekend, do we have more questions, or should we talk about the weekend ahead? Oh, well, let's do the quick weekend ahead. AMAC did text in another tweet. Oh, another what's happening, AMAC? What do you got, Andy? I uh, said, tired of hearing the Leafs are not tough enough. They came within a hair of beating Tampa in six ge- last year. Yep. And you can skate faster than Pat Maroon, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Andy. Not necessarily true. Yes. AMAC. He, he, that All-timer. Was a, that was a quick one just to get in there. You haven't been lucky enough. No. You know, it's such a, a thing with the toe when you talk about the Maple Leafs that you're not allowed to say that they were really close last year because no one cares because they didn't get it done, whatever. But it's like the reality is it does matter. And that's why Kyle Dubas is still here and Sheldon Keefe is still here and the core is still here. Everyone talks about game seven. Austin Matthews was two millimeters away in game six in overtime from tipping one home. Like, and you're right. It is because they have, and this is the, this is the whole problem with not getting it done against Montreal and Columbus is that nobody has time for the, it was close because of all those other, those cracks at the camp. But you're right. People are very, I'm not, but I can feel the simmering rage when I go, oh, but they almost in game six. Yeah. No one wants to hear the it. The Montreal and Columbus ones. Yeah. Really, really, you're not allowed to get unlucky after that. God, no. Just the way it goes. So this weekend ahead, uh, is it Philly for the Leafs? Is that Philly is? Sunday, Detroit tomorrow. Detroit tomorrow. Yeah. We will have the uh, Philly game on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Oh, lovely. We'll Sunday, cursed day for the Leafs to play. Don't like it. Not a fan, I, I will say. I, I got bumped. I'm I'm on Leafs talk on Sunday because JD wants to watch the Seattle Seahawks. Missed the playoffs. Yeah. So, I will be on Leafs talk Sunday night. That's exciting. Well, yeah, I do enjoy that, Sam. Yeah, that's nice. That'll be fun. You almost sounded like you believed it there. I, you know what? I'll be honest. The Leafs talk is is, uh, it, it's nice to like. I don't even know how I feel about a game till it falls out of my head sometimes. Mm. So it's nice to flesh it out in the immediate aftermath. I guess you get to do that with Gordo yeah, all me, the time. Yeah, me and Gordo doing it all the time. So, yeah, we actually just spend like half the post game show talking about how many people are always hanging around on the opposing team from the opposing team in the lower bowl. Like, Kairu had a crew there. It's insane. Like game. every time it I just know that jerseys. I just know that because his yeah, sister's on Jersey. Jersey so. a ton. Because oh. why? Because Kairu's sister's on TikTok. Don't get yourself in trouble. What's the watch comes? She's what? I don't follow her. It's for you, Paige. She just comes up and she was at her. What are you, what are you getting out here? <laughs> I don't know what's going on on TikTok. It scares me even mentioning yeah. it. TikTok, is, TikTok isn't OnlyFans. There's my the, yeah. Alex, it's my she was there being happy for her brother. I have no idea what's going on on there. It's great. 
Well, that's wonderful. Um, okay, so Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> Got to be four points. You think so? No. Uh, if you oh, there's still there is a there's a very real chance of needing one more one more smack after a bad game before bouncing back against the Flyers. Listen, if you have any hope in hell of catching the Boston Bruins, which you don't. Yeah. Oh yes, they I don't do. think they do. I, I agree mostly with Gunner, but if you have a chance, you got to go into this weekend against two bad teams and take four points. So the Red Wings are first off. The Red Wings are kind of hanging around. Nah, they stink. No, they've kind of. I've, I could be wrong, but I feel like they were hanging around and they've kind of taken a bit of a step back. Yes. That is, they are plummeting down the standings here. Where are we at? Detroit three five and two in their last ten. Yeah, in their last ten, not very good. Uh, still a five forty two winning percentage, but yes, minus this, eleven goal differential. There's just too much ahead of them in this to really be a playoff team. Yep. I would say, um, but this strikes me as a Leafs team. You know, I was saying to you guys before we came on the air, it kills me that I didn't think they were going to lose last game. It's it's the perfect formula. Right there. It's a pretty good team in Seattle, but not enough to garner a ton of respect. It's the middle of the week. They're, you know, it just, this kind of feels like we're entering lull time. Oh, yeah. Big a time. A little bit here That's for the Leafs. Very much been the MO with this team. Quick, quick question I'll throw at you. Who takes a seat if Connor Timmons comes in this weekend? Because Keefe was saying that he didn't want to let guys mm-hmm. sit too long and back to backs could garner people in. Who comes out? It's a great question. And can you ever rest someone without it being a big deal? Only if it's Mark Giordano, but everyone you talk to says that that is not going to happen with that guy. At least every person I've asked has said, yeah, it's just too hard to restart the engine after you oh, take it. I, I don't buy mean? it. I don't buy it at all, but that's the, everything I've heard is that. Yeah, no, I have heard that about Gio too, but you know, he's making 800 grand and he's in his, you know, he's 30,000 years old. What is he? 39. Yep. Anyway. You can take a seat for me. Yeah. Not That'd on him. Just fine. But, yeah. All right. Uh, thank you very much for joining me today. Appreciate it. Always fun. This Love is being this on. truly always fun. And I can't wait to be a guest on Golf Guys. When do you guys start your golf podcast up again? Masters. Yeah. All right. We're getting there. Although I'll be watching a lot of the Tournament of Champions this weekend. Feed up, dreaming about being at Kapalua. Don't tempt me. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you to Emily Kaplan. Thank you to Sam Cosentino. Leafs on Saturday night versus Detroit. We'll be back on Monday with Kipper to talk about, uh, about it all then. Have a great weekend.